No, uh, we're doing the thing. We're doing the thing. We're doing the five season thing. The thing we call the Media Post Podcast. It's a podcast. It's a media boat. It's a thing we do weekly. It's a, that thing we do. It's a 210 episode kind of thing. That's a lot of episodes. Yes. Hi, welcome to the Media Boat Podcast, as we previously mentioned. If you don't know what you're listening to, well, first of all, how did you get here? Second of all... uh, Thank you for listening. (laughs) Thank you, and this is the Media Boat Podcast. We are a podcast that brings you news and thoughts about movies, television, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order, but pretty close. Yeah, you always do it that way. (laughs) Uh, My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. Today got... is January 29th. Ooh. January the Seven? 29th, 2020. Yes. Uh, yeah, almost, we're almost out of January. We're almost at the long ass month of January, almost into the lovely month of February. Mm-hmm. Our special plus one day February this year because it is a leap year. Yes. So don't uh, don't uh, write start writing your rent checks on February 28th. You have a whole February 29th to do that. Also have the whole February 29th to lose said money. Yeah, but don't do that. No. That would be dumb. Don't bet all your money on Super Bowl squares on Sunday. Oh, I already did that. I'm sure you already did. All right, so thank you for Yeah, this is a pre-Super Bowl episode. This is our pre-Super Bowl episode. Not that that makes a difference as we are a media podcast. Uh, (laughs) They're right. That is a pop culture event. It's like adjacent to us. We're like... There's a musical aspect... There's a musical aspect, you're correct. There's a, a television aspect to it. Yes. There's also a sports aspect, which is something we do cover here. So I guess it's tangentially related to what we do here. But Before we get to that... Before we get to that, we have a whole show for you, so let's get rolling. We always start with the movies first. And we always start movies... With the weekend box office numbers. Alright, so did the bad boys be bad again? They are, because you know what? They never stop being bad boys. You could say... That they are bad boys for life. Three life. Well, in this case, they didn't put the three in it. Yes, because this was only the third film. <laughs> yeah, they did not save it for life. the fourth film. Yes, rolled right over another $34 million. That's sitting at $120 million. That's a hit. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a hit for Will Smith. That Better than Jim Minnie Man. Registers as a hit, which is what you said it wouldn't do, and I was right. Um, so I'm going to gloat. Uh, okay, go ahead. You and said that nobody would care about this. You're right. I did say nobody would care about this, and, and yet it hit, it hit a hundred million. It hit so. on over a hundred million. It's not done. I mean, I yeah. think that people were needing like something like this. I think there was a dearth of in like awards show season. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always like a lack of your action movie staples, and this right. kind of filled that void. All right, stop shaming me. <laughs> it no, it's fine. Uh, number two. Your uh, uh, one of your best picture uh, nominees, 1917, coming in with another 15 million dollars, also a hit. So 1917, 15. Yep, 1917 got 15 and is sitting at 103 uh, domestic. So is that's that also a hit? hit? Yes. By award show standards, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so another add that to another check on the list of reasons why 1917 could be your best picture. It is a audience favorite. Or at least people are checking it out to make sure it's their favorite. when they're going to Yeah. To the choose. of more money than Little Women is making, for yes. example. More money than Parasite made. Yes. So, yeah, I think that it, that's, a, like I said, another, another point in its category. Okay. Just saying. 
Number three, Doolittle. Uh, Doolittle did somebody's little. Somebody's seeing this because it made $12 million, uh, adding to a $44 million total. Yeah, but that's a that's, little amount of total, though. That is what you call a bomb, friends. Yes. Not doing well at First all. First bomb of 2020? 2020, yeah. The yeah. Gentleman is at number four with $10 million. Speaking of bombs, <laughs> no one cares about this Guy Ritchie film. Guy Ritchie. Richie, 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 not, not so Ritchie, Richie. huh? Yes, Guy Pori. Guy Pori. 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 I liked better before. Some of these fire alarms going off in this complex right now. Yeah. Worrisome. Push it in the button. Push the button. Come on. All right. Open up a window. Open up the door. You know, yep. like we used to do every time you cooked. Yep. <laughs> that wasn't my fault. Uh-huh. It was the equipment. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's faulty equipment. It's well, it's no, it, it was... Very used equipment. Very used equipment. <laughs> Seasoned equipment. <laughs> Seasoned. Veteran equipment. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of veteran uh, equipment, uh, not really. Number five, rowdy out your top five this week is Jumanji 2, the next level. Still in your top five. That movie came out in what, November? Uh, end of November, I yeah. think. Yeah. Insane. Uh, made another $7 million. That's at $283 million is still not done. Yeah, but Star Wars did come in at number six, and eh. it did cross the five hundred at five hundred two. That's not what you have here, huh? No, that's not what you. Oh, have maybe that here. was last week. That was last week because we have a couple of the other premieres from last weekend just missing the top five marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one less so than other. Yes. Together. Number six, The Turning. That's that horror movie we the talked about last film. week with the good soundtrack. Yes. Well, nobody cares because it only made six million dollars. Yeah, but off like a $6 million budget, probably. Maybe, so <laughs> it might break even. Yes. <laughs> and then way down at number 17, The Last Full Measure made $1 million. Yes, uh, the other war film that's out there somewhere. And nobody knows what it is. Exactly. That is your... But it did get a release, so it counts for some people's uh, yeah. IMDb pages. That's your uh, box office this week. Mm-hmm. But, you may ask, what am I watching Next week. We're watching the Super Bowl, so what are you not going to watch at the theater? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what's not going to be seen, because, yeah, everybody's going to be at home in their comfy homes and their big screen televisions this weekend. So they will not be seeing the two new releases, which is fine, because they're kind of middling. It makes sense for a Super Bowl weekend, but what do we got? Yeah, we got uh, two movies. The rhythm section. What is the rhythm section? It's not about bands. Drums. No, it's not drum life. Okay. This is a female assassin film. Okay. Uh, think Atomic Blonde. I'd rather not. But that's basically what this is. Wait, no, actually, Atomic Blonde was the good one. Never mind. What do you think? I was thinking for some reason... Salt? Uh, no, I was thinking of Lucy. Lucy. Yeah, which sucks. Yeah. No, Atomic Blonde was actually a really fun no, movie. Yeah, so think Atomic Blonde with yeah. this one. Okay. Neat. Okay. Then also... Not to be confused with Hansel and Gretel. Gretel and Hansel. Yes, you you must flip it. Yes. Even though everyone's going to think. requires. Everyone, you're going to think it's, <laughs> oh, it's Hansel and Gretel. No. And, but a lot of people are going to go to the movie saying, I'm gonna, one for Hansel and Gretel. No, it is Gretel and Hansel. I don't think any ticket taker will care. They're just going to take your money. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they will. But yeah, Gretel and Hansel, uh, which I understand is like a horror adjacent take on the it's story. It's the true horror yeah. Brothers Grimm tale. Right. So. But like more horror aspect because low budget horror film. 
But, you know, medium budget, maybe. I'm not sure. I love a medium budget. That's it for new releases. That's all we got this week. So, yeah, uh, stay home. Watch some movie trailers during the commercials at the Super Bowl and you'll have a better time. Oh, well, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I was going to bring it up later. Okay. But um, I was going to... We'll, we'll bring it up later. We'll try and guess what's going to be premiering. Yeah, perhaps we will. Uh, but before that, I'm going to ask you a quick question here. We have three stories here. Uh, which one do you want to cut? Oh, one and three. Oh, no, no. We're cutting two. Uh, that one's going later. Because that will go on television. Well, no, that'll go next week. Because the Oscars are not oh, this week. I put that there thinking the Oscars yeah, were this, this weekend. Week? No, you got No, up. they weren't. All right, one and three. First yes. up, then, uh, we have, I have no uh, segue for this because it's not something we've talked about lately. Because I thought it was dead and gone. Uh, it was, but remember how we said that, well, it sold off most of its assets and filed for Chapter 11. But that just meant that the company had to sell off in order to pay its debts. Not necessarily foreclose on its business. Well, the it uh, that we're referring to here is none other than MoviePass. Yes. And its parent company, Helios and Matheson and Analytics Incorporated. Or Mini. Yes, as it was on the um, <laughs> as you would call it. Uh, stock market exchange. Mini, mini, mini. Uh, the parent of the MoviePass Cinema's ticket subscription service said Wednesday it has filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And that is the official yeah, not bankruptcy. Not to be confused with Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Yes, Chapter 11 it just declares bankruptcy. Yeah. And chapter 7 does says, it. Yeah, yeah, the one that actually says you are no longer a company. This allows a court to sell its remaining assets and wind down all operations. In a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission, everybody's favorite, the company with shuttered MoviePass back in September said board members Prathap Singh, Gabriel Raubag, and well, Joseph Fried, and Murali Krishna Gadyaram that sounds like people. <laughs> Have tendered their res- resignations, leaving the company with no remaining board members. It's over. Yes. Um, a long national nightmare. Yeah, so as we reported back in September that it did file for Chapter 11, yes. but there were still people hanging around saying that we can still turn this around. And well, no. 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 no, no, they cannot. So throw your movie pass cards in the trash. They are worthless. Uh, no, they are now irrelevant. <laughs> Sell they, them on eBay and make $5. I mean, <laughs> I guess that's more than what Spend $8 on shipping to get $5. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, MoviePass, now officially a relic. I yeah. think that domain now officially goes back out into the yeah. open if anyone wants to purchase it. So I'm telling you, audience member, now is the time to get the Twitter handle at MoviePass. Yes. <laughs> I, I believe that is it. a thing now, yeah. <laughs> I believe, yeah, because they have to sell all their assets, and that includes owning all their internet domains. Yeah. So, we yeah. see. Um, if we want to take over and MoviePass. <laughs> MoviePass.com. Let's just get it. Yeah. Grab it for cheap. No. Yes. It's going to be cheap. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, that is now a thing you can do, and uh, I'll say it for the third and fourth final time, this is the end of MoviePass. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just saw a typo in your next story. That's really funny, but I'll bring up when I get to it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Our next story, speaking of buying things at uh, at uh, a low price. Yes. Well, a big movie studio, or at least a formerly big movie studio, 
uh, is on the chopping block. So the lion Everybody's is favorite. about to sleep tonight. <laughs> well, maybe not. Well, some, put what happens with someone because, might put him to sleep. Because movie, classic movie studio MGM, which as uh, we've reported on this very podcast, has not had the most stellar of decades over the last couple of years. Well, no. Uh, decades. At one point was considered the golden standard of okay. cinema. Yeah. Not so much anymore. Yeah. Now you pretty much, you think MGM, you think cheap horror movies, and you think James Bond. And that's kind of what they have in their stock right now. <laughs> well... The company is in preliminary talks with buyers such as Apple, Netflix, and other larger media companies about an acquisition, as the biggest streaming companies consider strengthening their content libraries with the MGM library. Mm -hmm. MGM is likely worth more than $10 billion thanks to the strength of their titles, such as what you have here is James Bong, which I want to believe is a a stoner spinoff of James Bond. It just takes place in Amsterdam. <laughs> just Daniel Craig just like blazed out of his mind. <laughs> like uh... it wouldn't be Daniel Craig, it'd be Daniel Graham's. <laughs> Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Uh... Seth Rogen is Daniel Graham's in James Bong. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, they also, of course, have Hulu's The Handmaid Tale amongst their uh, series. Mm -hmm. And uh, Live PD, because somebody had to make it. Also, that's actually a hit. It's cheap to make. Yeah, just like Cops was before People it. watch it. Just like Cops was before it. Yep. Uh, MGM has revenue of more than $1 billion for the first nine months of the year, uh, consisting primarily of about $600 million in film and TV licensing revenue. And three hundred dollars, three hundred million dollars alone from Epic's subscriptions, as they own that. Right, and that's just one billion dollars without even touching their films. This move could lead to a new quote big six global media company, uh, such as Apple, Amazon, AT and T, Comcast, Disney, and Netflix at the table to buy them. Viacom, CBS, and Discovery are in limbo as they are potentially big enough to hang, but maybe too small enough in their uh, too small in their current forms to compete. Effectively, what's your money on? What do you think picks them up? Um, Apple has all I the money in the Apple. world I agree. to throw I agree. at it, but don't be surprised if Amazon decides to throw their hat. Amazon out there. will bid. I think Apple will bid more uh, because think thinking about it, those are the two hungriest. There's the two wealthiest, but Apple is especially in a position to do this because they are trying to find a hook for Apple TV. They're trying to get people on Apple TV. The problem with Apple TV, as we've said on this, this podcast before, mm -hmm. is that it has no hook. Oh, we actually have a, a, a chatter. Yes, we do. We sure do. I'd watch that movie. Would Snoop Dogg play James Bong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not bad casting either. Snoop Dogg's totally beat. No, 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 no. No, Snoop Dogg would be the American counterpoint intelligence. Oh, he's like the dude that gives them all the gadgets. Yeah. Uh, Q? Um, no, no, yeah. no. He's like Q? the CIA version. Oh, it's Q. Q for quartermaster. Sure. Right, you're right. But yeah, the, the Q equivalent. Uh, for Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg would be Q. Just hanging out in Long Beach, just giving No, Snoop Dogg would be G. <laughs> ha! <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yeah. Because he's so... a ganja unit. No, G unit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, that's not him. <laughs> that's not him? He's not a member of the G unit. I thought that's he was G. That's 50, uh, 50 Cent. 50 Cent is G unit. Uh, DJ Woo Kid. Uh, who else is in there? Uh, who's the other guy from 
that game. RZA. 50 Cent, Blood on the Sand. No, RZA <laughs> is a Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang. <laughs> Would Snoop Dogg play James Bong? Sure, if we want to go that route. <laughs> I mean, I like the Seth Rogen more because it's the complete opposite of what James Bond is. But yeah, anyway. James Bong. Anyway, uh, so let's move on. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I'm with you. I think a- Apple makes a lot of sense. I think Apple will make the big push because they need people to sign up and... Yeah. Having the James Bond library is a great way well, to get I mean, people yeah, to sign up. MGM library has, library has that, and it also has a lot of classic films. There's a lot well. of uh, Hitchcock films. So Apple would find themselves in a lot of niches that they aren't currently in. Mm-hmm. And that'd be smart. All right. I think you're right. I think um, Amazon has already put a lot of money into the uh, Lord of the Rings series. Yeah, they're series. not broke on that Lord of the Rings series. Yeah. <laughs> not really. No, but <laughs> they already have a lot of hits that yeah. and a lot of visual content that they're building. That they don't necessarily need it. But Apple TV is in desperate need of it. Okay, that's it for movie news. Let's talk about some movies that you saw. You saw not one, but two of the movies in the running for Best Picture at the Oscars next to Uh, Yes, you could say the one-two punch of movies vying for Best Picture. Uh, yeah, two. One that is, like I said, uh, kind of uh, a double double threat because you have your uh, your audience that's really into it. It's making money, mm-hmm. uh, and it has the um, what was it? The Producers Guild behind it. Yes, Producers Guild. And then the other. It also has the uh, Baptist behind it as well. Yeah. And then while the other uh, has uh, maybe less notoriety in the United States as it is a international film, mm-hmm. but is the one I've heard most from people on the internet. Yes. Um, Good par- Parasite has yeah. been on basically everyone's top ten list at the end of the year. Yeah. Top ten and top five yeah, lists. Yeah, people I trust loves this, love this. Episode. Yes. So, 1917, Parasite, which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's start in the way I saw 1917 first. All right, so World War one? Yes. Okay. So tell me about World well, War no, One. They call it the Great War. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yes. yes. Uh, in, in They haven't the had the universe, sequel yet. There's not a second one. So yes. It's just the, the Great War. It's just the Great War. Tell me about the Great War. Tell me about Franz Ferdinand. Franz Ferdinand is not in this film. Take me out. No, not that Franz Ferdinand. Tell me about 1917. Okay. So Roger Deakins going to win cinematography here. Yeah, that <laughs> that's a guarantee. I could have seen that coming. That is a guarantee. You tell me a war film uh, shot in a, quote one take unquote. Yeah. yeah, that's a cinematography Oscar for you. Yeah, he's Here, gonna win it. Handing you here, you go. Just giving it to you now, because <laughs> that's pretty much what this film yeah. is and survives on. Yeah, the fact that it is, in essence, supposed to look like a one shot, one take film. Yeah. Um, even though it is split up into two parts because at one point he, uh, the main character does go unconscious or black out. So they do a cut to black and then wakes up with it. So there is a hard cut there, as you can see. But still. But still, everything else... The effect is what matters. Yeah, the effect is what matters. And the effect of a single shot through this entire thing is... Quite spectacular. Okay, so I was going to say, is this still a wow factor? Because I feel like we're getting to the point where this has been done enough. I mean... Where it's not as amazing anymore. Yeah, because uh, Inaritu did it 
Yeah, At Birdman one, already won Best Picture. For Birdman. Yeah. Well, no, he didn't do it for Birdman. Yeah, he did. He did? Yes. That okay. was the thing about Birdman. Well, I know that was the thing about Birdman. I, I, I forgot that he's the one who did Birdman. Yeah, and that's in Because he also did um, uh, The Revenant, right. which also had three very long, yeah. long cuts. It wasn't in its takes. entirety, but it used that. Yeah. Right. And the and elements of mm-hmm. it. Right. So we've seen it. Yes. But you're saying that it's still effective. It is still effective, and it is still jarring when you when you aren't sure. Like, wait, have they actually have they had a cut yet? I'm not sure. Uh, maybe this isn't the right thing. But the blocking in this thing to make because you can't when you do a long take, you can either have the camera continuously in front of them or continuously behind them, and to be able to move it to in back and forth when your characters are only going in a single direction the entire time. Yeah. And have that camera movement from behind to the front to overhead to the side is in itself a great directorial mind. Hmm. Um, The blocking... Because you have to block things out 20, 30 minutes down the road as you take these long takes. And it's... Quite a feat because there's a lot of extras in here, and if any one of them screws up, you kind of have to start the whole thing over. So it is quite a bit of a technical feat. Uh, that being said, there are several times that I can tell quite plainly, mainly because I'm half looking for it <laughs> and half expecting it. Yeah. Like, hey, it's been a while. There should be a cut coming up somewhere. <laughs> camera movement to where our main characters aren't on screen. I was like, okay. Oh, here we go. Clearly, one of the main characters went off screen. They're getting ready for something else. Or, hey, they're going into this dark tunnel. Well, I know that there is... <laughs> this is your opportunity. your opportunity not just to cut, but to have a green screen in front of your actors in order to cut over that green screen eventually with a different camera... Going, it's already, it's already lit and set for the inside of this uh, cave or bunker mm-hmm. that already um, has its camera setting set to it. So you, so your main characters that yeah. we've been following since from outside are basically just standing in front of a green screen <laughs> while the inside of the green screen is being played until yeah. the camera decides to move in and move with them, and then you bring your characters who are off-screen onto it, so it looks like they've been there the whole time. But say, let's t- let's say if you're watching this film and maybe you don't come from a directing uh, uh, point of view and maybe don't know some of the inner workings of how this happens, how is the movie 1917? Because let's, let's get into it. Let's get into the nitty-gritty here. Was this a good time at the cinemas? Ah... Uh... It's hard to say it's a good time because it's a war film. I, well, you know what I mean. Yes. So okay, I'm uh, I'm a I'm a person who's really into war movies. You'll love I, this film. W- w- am I going to like this film? You're gonna like this film. Okay. It does I'm a, a great. Person who hates war movies? Am I going to like this film? Uh, maybe not as much, but it does give an interesting aspect on war. Okay. Because because it's shot. Because it's done in one shot and is a war film, it does give that immersive feeling that you are in the lives, in the day of the life of these war soldiers, of this one person or two people who are carrying out this mission to relay a message. And 
you feel for them because you've been there since the beginning. And then at the very end, it gets into this thing of this was just one day of several. Essentially, it's supposed to be played out as hours, but you know it's actually like minutes because it's real time. Yeah. Uh, but it does give that extra sense of I've only sat through this for two and a half hours, and yet these guys went through this whole thing on a consistent basis for days and years on end. And it does give that type of harrowing feeling at the very end when it gets to it. Um, so it's weird because it does portray itself kind of as an anti-war film while still being a war film. Still giving that, yeah. It's because, because like, all these actors are kids. All the soldiers are played very young and all these colonels and generals are played really old in an extreme dynamic to show that it's these old men, it's these young men fighting a war. For these old men. For these old men. Right. And it's got this really cool interesting take on it that we don't really see a lot in war films because we see them making a decision here cut to battlefield cut to post-war cut to now the action sequence it's all cut 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 with previous war films whereas this is one immersive experience of my commander gave me this um command but now i have to go up against every other commander along the way to try and carry this out. So, two questions. First, um, do you think that kind of uh, allegory, you could say, the, the comparison it's kind of making more or less uh, to modern wars, uh, which I think is probably where they're going with that. Yeah. Uh, well, no, they're, to, they're going to just all wars in general because there's several yeah, times right. where you they give dialogue but you don't see their faces, which yeah. to me, as a director, says, oh, they did all this in ADR. Right. But also as a viewer that this could be any two people talking because of what they're talking about is very generic and stuff that I have heard in previous war films. And it's like, wait, maybe this is supposed to mean like just because this happened here doesn't mean it's only happening here that right, right. because these are basically become two faceless people talking about the same thing that could happen in any part of a war that it's not just hap- it's not just exclusive to 1917 right. but as all wars in general uh, yeah so do you think that stuff um, do you think that stuff is clear and effective enough to get people no. who aren't super into the war part to care <laughs> no said, no <laughs> yeah no. this is me and, overthinking right. and Finding the over angle for Eric. The angle. Yes. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because I would love a world where I would want to see this movie. This world that that it is currently living, like existing right now, is not that world. I like. It doesn't seem like there's anything here for me. Like I'm not super into war movies. Right. I know. That's where I said that. So I was hoping that what you were saying is like, is that enough? But no, it might not be. Second thing I was going to ask. So this is kind of a transition film for mm-hmm. the director. Yes, so uh, Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes is basically... Oh, sorry. Sir Sam Mendes. Sir Sam I will Mendes. forget home he's kind of moving on. Of like, you could say a lot about the, the, uh, the, the work that he did on the James Bond films mm-hmm. of recent uh, note. Um, but they're still not... They're still like removed from 
what you would call a prestige Oscar bait film. So do you think that this is that move for him? Do you think that this is such a step in that direction that you could see him being considered for director here? Like, do you think this is enough of a star-making turn where now his career goes that direction? Or do you think this is an outlier in his career and he'll go back to making more mainstream films? I think it depends on what happens at the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, he already has the Producers Guild behind him. The right, I know. Behind like, him. That's what I'm saying. And he was knighted for this film. So he's, well... Oh. Well, no, not for he's this film. He knighted in timing to this film. Yes. But I mean, we already know, though, he, the next Bond film he's also directing... Yes. ...is due out later this year, right? Yes. So, I guess my I guess my question is, is he going to forever be pigeonholed as the dude who directed the Daniel Craig Bond movies? Or is this an alternate career path for him? I think this is him saying that he can do more yeah. than just James Bond films. Mm-hmm. That he can do these big, grandiose films. And much he, the same way Todd Phillips right. has made that transition. But does, did he pull it off here? I think Roger Deakins gave him a huge boost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, the Deke, non- with, like, notwithstanding. <laughs> Enough about the Deke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forget... I think it was Lindsay Zolads on Twitter who just kept calling him the Deke last the Deke. last award season, <laughs> and it stuck with me. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> notwithstand the Deke, notwithstanding, do you think Sam Mendes is this is is he good enough? Uh, it's hard to say off one film. I think mm. he has the potential to be. Okay. He definitely has the eye for it. Okay, let's get that out of the way. He definitely yeah. has the eye for it. I think he needs to get more out of his actors because yeah. As is noted, none of the actors got nominated for no. acting awards. Well, it's a war film. That's a hard thing to do. Unless you have, like, a big, like, speech scene, a character in a war movie is not going to be nominated. I was going to say that <laughs> Gary Oldman won for yeah. Our Darkest Hour. Because he gave a big speech. This is, he gave the Oscar speech? Yeah, you have to give an Oscar speech to get an Oscar. Everybody knows that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I've asked enough questions. Um, on the um, uh, uh, patent and media boat scale, uh, where are you sitting on uh, 1917? Uh, stream it. Okay. Safely stream it. I don't want to say go out and rush to see this. Because it's probably almost out of theaters at this point. I mean, unless it wins gold in two weeks. Yeah, then it'll stay. Then it'll stay for another two weeks, but... So, yeah. Yeah, no it's weird. It's a weird rush. thinking about, like, the movie that we're basically saying is probably your best picture. To not... Rush like, if I was a betting it. man, it would probably be your best picture. Like, it's right. also not super the thing that you should see in theaters right now. Yeah. Uh, that also being said, mm-hmm. um, the the itching behind me, behind my ear, uh-huh. uh, is saying that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will pull off the Green Book upset. It has a chance. And like we said last week, if all things cross over enough, there'll be one left over. And so, that's and that's where Once Upon a Time has the chance has that that excess chance to well, be the winner. Well, we will certainly find out. But we've spent way too long on this because you have another review you need to talk about. I have another review to talk about. Yeah, you need to talk about Parasite. Ooh, what a good film! Okay, wow, so that's a that's a change of tone from 1917. <laughs> so tell me about Parasite. Is it about a literal parasite that is eating you, or is it about capitalism? <laughs> um, it is about people taking advantage of other people and being 
a parasite, or rather a leeching uh-huh. off of a higher class citizens. So capitalism. Got it. Capitalism. Thank you for answering my question. All right, so what's what's going on with Parasite? So, Parasite brought to us by a company called Neon, and a company that we talked about here on the B-Roll podcast yeah. uh, back in, I want to say, November. Uh-huh. CJ Entertainment. CJ. Does that sound familiar? I don't remember. Uh, we talked about oh. them having, being a South Korean-based company uh-huh. who est- who opened up new offices in L.A., and was looking to bring over um, original IPs from South Korea uh-huh. to be either released or remade in the U.S. Ah, I see. This is their first one. This is and what a pick it is. Yeah, jeez. Because <laughs> this thing has been on everyone's top five films everywhere, as we previously mentioned. Uh, the film follows a... Quite literal parasitic family as they, as the film opens up with them living, not in a basement, but in a sub-basement beneath the building, trying to get by and are basically literally scraping by the bottom of the barrel to survive as a family until they get a lucking happenstance uh-huh. of run into... Be original one of them gets to be a tutor to this wealthy family who then kind of menangles his way to get this to get his sister to also work for this family okay. who then gets the father to also work for this family who so then like gets the knives who then gets the <laughs> who then work together to get the uh, housemate uh, out of the house to have their mom come in and work for this family and basically start being a parasite and leech off this family with their money. Yeah. Um, which then turns on its head because twists, and I don't want to spoil said twist because it's a good twist, uh-huh. one I don't see coming. Okay. Uh, and the whole time it makes you kind of think that who are you actually rooting for and calling this film Parasite is a great, great marketing term mm-hmm. for this thing. It explains exactly what this film is. And I can see I can see this film being remade in the US, but not having the same cultural substance of an impact that it has as a South Korean film that it is. Yeah. So yeah, it's getting a lot of um, a talk recently on the internet because of its Oscar buzz, Mm -hmm. but also because of a little bit of a backlash, I guess, for people who maybe didn't anticipate, one, that this is an international film, (laughs) two, that the entire thing is subtitled. Oh, yeah. A lot of of backlash where people are like, well, I don't want to see it because I have to read it. It's like, get over yourself. Read fast. (laughs) But, yeah, so, like, just letting people know that if that is a barrier of entry for you, then this might not be the movie you want to see. However, everybody else seems to be enjoying this. So oh, no. I, I had an old couple off. sitting just behind yeah. me complaining about that exact yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the but, film... So, yeah. So, uh, how, what do you think, then, are its chances here? Um, 
Seeing as this is the only international film I've seen that's yeah. nominated, I'm going to give it that award. So yeah, oh, yeah, no, this is handily <laughs> going to win the International Film Award. That's yes. not a question. The question is, of course, does it have a chance in Best Picture? I think, I think this is where we get the split. Yeah. With 1917, and why I keep saying that once upon time Hollywood has that chance yeah. of winning because yeah. a lot of people who have seen the film will rank it very high. And I think I that love a lot of the film. younger uh, uh, members Voters. of the Academy will probably also be the ones who saw this and enjoyed this. Right, whereas you have a lot of older yeah. voters who probably aren't going to see this, who are going to be like, oh, this is a subtitle film, like you said, and immediately be turned off and be like, nope. Right. It's like, oh, no white guy in this? Oh, all right, well, let's give it to the white guy. Yes, or as uh, one internet post I saw, yeah. uh, or no, it was on SNL, yeah. Angry White Guy Film. Yeah, pretty much. It seems like the bulk of the nominees this year. Yes, that was a thing that Melissa Villasenor did. That's, okay, that checks out. Uh, she's made songs for all the Best Picture nominees and See, said, could, Angry White Guy Film, could, Angry White Guy Film. I could write these. Yeah. <laughs> these catches, I could write them. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, no. Uh, so Parasite is kind of a unique, like, uh, nominee in that in that way, because it's not that. Yeah. Um, but that means that, yeah, it's kind of outnumbered. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a bit of an uphill battle. It definitely is. But those, like, like we've said, those who have seen it have talked nothing but good about it. Um, yeah, I mean, even the director... Uh, Boon, Boon Jun Yu. I've seen it written. I've never heard it said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah even the director of Parasite yeah. has had talks and meetings with HBO about creating his own series mm, because be of Parasite. Yeah, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, on the patent and media boat scale, where, uh, where do you put it? Uh, stream it. Because, because you cannot see it right now? <laughs> well, one, you probably can't see it right now. It's yeah. in your limited theater. But also, two... If the subtitles do throw right. you off... It's easier to w- watch that on a television. It's easier to walk away from a television than it is from a movie and now, to not be angry. Currently, Is it currently available on streaming or do we have to wait a little bit longer for that? I think we have to wait a little bit longer for okay. it. I also think Amazon is the one who got the streaming rights for oh, it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, well, then that guarantees I will not see this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well. But, yeah, I mean, I'm otherwise... from the library. Or Redbox, or if that's still around. Is that still around <laughs> that makes it to next year. We'll yes. See. Well, okay, so uh, two, I guess, half recommends. I It's recommended if you're going to, if you're one of those people who wants to watch the best picture films and know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, this will be one of the ones that, that you will actually be able to see at one of your marathon AMC Best Picture nominee days. Yes. Uh, as opposed to Marriage Story and the Irishman. Right. And as of now, I think I've seen six of the best of the, wow. of the nine. You're doing better than I am. Well, the one that I haven't seen is Little Women, yeah. uh, Ford vs. Ferrari, <laughs> and um, Marriage Story. Okay. Oh, and, and Jojo Rabbit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I keep re- forgetting that one's nominated. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people will forget that one's nominated. <laughs> I forgot it existed for a little bit there. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, that's four. So, I've seen five of the four then. Yeah. Um, I did see a lot of clips on YouTube for Ford vs. Ferrari. Right. 
Um, You've practically seen that movie. And I've practically seen that movie (laughs) watching it. Good. You don't need to. Yeah. um, That is your dad's favorite film. (laughs) Everybody's dad's. Everybody's dad's favorite film is Ford vs. Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, that was the thing we said when it came out. (laughs) It was like, yep. Yep. Uh, Well, probably won't win awards, but it's definitely a well-shot film. It might not win awards, but we'll see. All right. Uh, let's move on. Okay. Because we need to stop talking about movies. Well, okay, let's make the transition from uh, movies into sports yeah. with yeah. the Super Bowl. And as such, the Super Bowl is this Sunday. Super Bowl movie trailers are coming out. Yeah, there will be movie trailers. Do you have any idea of what to see or what to expect? I don't know. You should tell me. All right. Uh, that was it, a setup. I mean, it was partially <laughs> a setup and partially do you know. No, I have okay. Okay. Sonic uh, the Hedgehog. <laughs> I'll put that in the maybe category. <laughs> because it's coming out in uh, basically two weeks later. Yeah. Uh, put that in the maybe category. I also put um, Black Widow in the maybe category as well. Okay. Um, also Wonder Woman 1984 in oh, the yeah. maybe category. Right. Uh, expect to see uh, whatever the Fast and Furious 9 movie is. F9. Yes. They've confirmed that that thing is called F9. It's just going to be called F9? F9. All right. It's like on a keyboard. F9. <laughs> Isn't F9 reset? I don't know refresh? what F9 does. Don't type. Don't do it right now while you're watching our podcast. You might uh, You might bail out of your browser. You, you might break the internet. Yeah. Uh, but it. yeah, so that trailer should be coming out F9. for Super Bowl. Uh, what else is coming out? Um, expect... Um, Maybe Marvel's The Eternals. Oh, okay. Because that's coming out in November, but we haven't seen anything of it yet. Uh, Mr. Peanut will not have his funeral after all. Uh, no. Instead, what they're <laughs> going to do is uh, Baby Peanut. Do, 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 do. That's stupid if that's true. Uh, that is the... <laughs> I, I don't remember where I heard that. Either I heard it or it was a joke or someone said it, but they want to do... Ba- it's going to be Baby, Baby Peanut. Peanut. Because Baby Groot and Baby Shark I feel like and a little, Baby a Yoda late to that train, but okay. Baby Yoda is hot right now, so Baby Peanut. All right, we're getting way off track. Movie trailers. Uh, movie trailers. <laughs> yes. Uh, what was the other one that I saw? Uh, probably James Bond. New James Bond. James Bond. Okay. James Bond. Uh, movie trailer. <laughs> and um, I think that was it. Okay. But yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. John Cena's in the new. Uh, F9 film. So, yeah, that's going to be the thing. Okay. All right, let's move on then into sports. All right. So, yeah, as you know, uh, the Super Bowl is on Sunday. I don't need to tell you. It's the Chiefs versus the 49ers in Miami. Is there any way both teams can lose? I would be so happy. Not going to (laughs) happen. One has to win unless there's a tie, which is very unlikely. Well, even then, it goes into overtime. They they play until someone wins. Uh, Pepsi halftime show will be, of course, with Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Shakira. With the hopefully possibility of the Miami Sound Machine. Maybe. It's in Miami. Yeah. So. Uh, but if you don't care or if you like other sports besides football, I know, sacrilege. Other Shocking. sports are happening too. Yes. Every team in the NBA took a 24-second <laughs> shot clock violation on Sunday. Every single one. Yes. It was a very rare occurrence that <laughs> happened on Sunday. 
And normally those are supposed to be on accident, but these were all on purpose. All on purpose? No. <laughs> no, they were. Yeah, they were all done on purpose. Oh, well, yeah, which gets to uh, the real sports story this week that we'll talk about a little bit later. Yes. But we'll get to that. First of all, meanwhile in baseball, baseball's stellar 2020 continues. <laughs> yeah, it does. Before the season even starts. <laughs> um... They're being sued by betters from DraftKings because apparently the MLB is a 10% partner of the betting site. Yeah, and uh, they're basically suing that uh, because MLB has stake in this gambling and the MLB uh, basically did not produce honest outcomes in a sporting event, which people betted on. That those bets needed to be voided out and all the people's money returned. Yeah, that would make some sense. Yeah. Logically. I don't think it'll ever happen, but <laughs> I see where they're coming from. Yes. Um, uh, uh, but if, there, if, because the MLB made its reverse stance on, on betting, on sports betting in the MLB, mm-hmm. and because they made that sponsorship uh, with, or with DraftKings... That's why they're being sued. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, like I could, like immediately, I could come up with a like an even better compromise to make them. I think that if they want to keep that ten percent interest in uh, uh, the DraftKings, uh, then they should uh, let Pete Rose into the into the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, I mean that's the easy. <laughs> that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but never mind. Anyway, speaking of things that will never happen. That's it for sports, unless you have something else to add. Uh, the have Aust- a slow week besides the Super Bowl. Well, Sunday happened. But uh, we'll get there. the Australian Open is still going on. I saw Rafael Nadal, number one, go to the uh, basically seventh match. Uh, I didn't see if he won or not. Probably should look that up. <laughs> um, he was yeah. there. I mean, he was almost out. He was down two to one going into the, the fourth set mm-hmm. uh, in a, a best of three, so... Or best of seven, so... No, best of six? Whatever, you have to win three before. Ah. And then if you try, it's best of seven, so I guess. But you don't have to win. I guess, yeah, you have to win four. Don't ask me. Yeah. But anyways, tennis is going on and it's looking good. Tennis remains fun. All right. We're moving on now into the world of television news. Yeah, we are. I mean, yeah, big story is Super Bowl, but also big story is coming up Big story up we'll, we'll get to. Yes. Trust me. We will not finish this podcast without talking about that. Yep. All right. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, 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 <laughs> what a flea bag. It's true. She is the flea bag from Fleabag. Uh, the star and creator of Fleabag has created her own production company to house her Amazon projects and more. After winning the Emmy, of course, Gold Globe, of course, and SAG Awards, all of the above, for mm-hmm. her show, she is launching Wells Street Films and has already hired two collaborators to the staff. Jenny Robbins, who worked as a story producer on Fleabag and Killing Eve, will become her head of TV and films. Charlotte McBerty, who worked as the production manager on Fleabag, is also coming aboard as a development executive. Wells Street Films will create and produce new TV shows under Waller Bridge's three-year overall deal with Amazon Studios and Amazon Prime, which we already mm-hmm. talked about. Her latest film works include a role in Solo Star Wars Story, that's the latest, um, and, co-write, and she was a co-writer on uh, No Time to Die, the James Bong film. Yes. 
Um, purely British as it is. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, this just kind of puts a name and a couple of other people to the deal that was already in place with her. Right, this is also being financed by Amazon to, yeah. you know, make her stay with Amazon. Like, I mean, hey, hey they, wait, we, we put you money up for your own company, the thing see, you wanted. They see a treasure trove when they, you know, and they're going to keep one as yep. long as they can. Yep, they're, um, just like with Shonda Rhimes, they're putting yep. money on her. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Wait, no, Sean Ryan's is Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Similar idea. Similar idea. Uh, next up, BBC My World. Wow, no US stories. What well, is BBC My World, you ask? Yeah, double double dose of the British this, this week. Yeah. Angelina Jolie and the BBC are creating a show to help young viewers get the tools to stop fake news. Fake news? Yeah, fake news. In the BBC? BBC My World will explain the stories behind the news and offer facts and information that will help kids over the age of 13. Over the age of 13. I think you mean under the age of 13. No, over the age of 13. Those aren't kids then. Well, (laughs) 13-ish. Maybe it was under 13. Yeah, I think that's a typo because kids are not under 13. Yeah. Kids are not over 13. Kids but, are under 13. But kids over 13 are sharing the information. Those are teenagers. Well, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> because you have to be 13 to sign up for Facebook. Okay. Regardless, for kids. We'll yes. just say kids. Okay. Uh, make up their own minds on pressing international issues. This sounds like Nick News. Where's Linda bit. Ellerby? <laughs> Somebody find her. Uh, the series will tap the reporting of the BBC World Services and is a co-production with Angelina Jolie and Microsoft Education. Dude. The BBC will retain final editorial approval of content in the series. So yeah, it sounds like uh, Nick News. Yeah, um, it's also strictly a BBC thing. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if BBC America probably airs this. Yeah, here or you know it goes on Amazon because deal. Yeah, that too. We'll see. Yeah, or uh, Microsoft just puts it on. Uh, what's their What's their service? Mixer. Mixer. Yeah, the the live stream. To just twenty four hours stream yeah. of. Of, of this. <laughs> Maybe. That's it for television news. Yeah. I mean, if it's good. you got to be able to spot fake news and yeah. question oh, yeah. stuff. Make sure you're getting the proper sources and proper channels. Yeah. Yeah. It says here, you watch a television show. I watch a television show? You watch a television show. Which one? Uh, it like, says a, here, or, a or multiple. It says here, you watched one or more episodes. I'm not sure. Of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I watched one episode. Because there is one episode. That is more than I watched of this show. You know how much of uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist I watched? You didn't even know this thing existed. No, no, no. This is is actually true. Uh, I did watch it. Three-fourths of Zoe's, of one episode of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. You could not finish it, or you started late? I did not finish it, because I did not care. Okay. All right, tell me what you thought about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. This is a NBC dramedy. I want to make that clear. I went in thinking this was a straight-up sitcom. It is not. I thought that, too. It is not that I thought it was. It is not. It is Um, a dramedy. It's also doing a weird thing where it's showing the pilot a month before the season. Yeah. uh, To either drum up interest or to test the waters because... This thing can really go one of two ways. Oh boy! And yeah, you tell me. All right. So, what'd you think? Um, I thought the backstory of it, basically the inside incident, how this yeah. thing, 
happens was it's real silly really dumb <laughs> it's real silly it is uh, the dumbest thing know, ever in case you listening to the podcast don't know what the premise of the show is uh zoe can hears people's soundtrack which essentially translates to people nearby her will start singing she can and hear, she can hear them and it's can, what they're singing is based on their mood at the time. Their emotions. And so they may be singing and doing maybe even a song and dance kind of number. No one else can see this except for Zoe. It is just for her. And they are not actually communicating this in real life. They're not actually singing. This is just her interpretation of their mood. Mm-hmm. And voila, there's your premise. It's, it's, a, it's Glee without the Glee Club. It is your yeah. musical... By taking from everything, but only, like, a verse and a chorus, and that's it. Yeah. Because that's all you need to convey the specific emotion. Sure, yes. But it's also really weird, because they do break out into song and dance, and then it's not just the one person, it's everybody. Everybody. It becomes a big musical number, and it makes me question, like, wait, is this just how this one person feels? Is this how... Everyone in this number feels. Yeah, it's a little unclear, for sure. Yeah, it's like if it was just the single person singing. Yeah, okay, I would, it would buy make more it. Sense. Make more sense. And sometimes more that is the case. Rounded rules, I yeah. guess. But then you get into these, like you said, these big, wide sweeping musical numbers, and it's like, ah, uh, yeah. Clearly, this is too well rehearsed to be a spontaneous thing. <laughs> And this no longer affects just the one person we're mind reading. It's everyone. Because uh-huh. everyone's seeing the same thing, so everyone must have the same feeling. Which they kind of did. They did that initially with the hot guy walking by, and then right. the three girls in front sitting and saying yeah. it raining. It's like, oh, they're all thinking this. Yeah. Which made sense, because we can clearly see that. But then you get into aspects of... The one guy doing, at the very end, doing All I Do Is Win. Right. And then everyone in the office... I didn't even get there, but that sounds terrible. (laughs) But yeah, I think... Well, because it's set up that he's her rival. Right, okay, got it. So he wants to take her down. But the thing is, though, and and, uh, to to your point, is that's an issue because it kind of straddles that line of like, oh, I get what this is supposed to be in-universe... But then you also, once the stuff starts happening, then you're like, oh, right, but this is also a television show. And they're just do, like bringing this to the logical conclusion of what the television show mm-hmm. is, as opposed to how would this person actually like see and these songs play out. Right. It also goes into the, the very tough challenge of, okay, clearly we get across this emotion, but then we keep going because we have the rights to the song. Also, people want to hear the song. And also because the format is a proper hour-long dramedy and not a 30-minute sitcom, they have to stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What do you Are think? we consistent that this is a good thing? Well, we're not even to the my problem with the show. We're not even there yet. Oh. Is that it? is also, that is what, what you said I didn't even consider. Is like, yeah, there is this weird line between, like, the reality, in quotes, of what this person is going through. Mm-hmm. By the way, what do you think about the lead in the show? Because the whole time, I was thinking, this is Diet Ellie Kemper. Uh, the whole time, <laughs> I was thinking, wow, 
They really wanted to give her a show. She is super cute. They like her. And they like her, but this is not her vehicle. She just kept reminding me of Ellie Kemper. A little bit. But, uh, but, I mean, Might be the strawberry blonde hair. Yeah, but she's like a less charming Ellie Kemper. Yes. But like, okay, so my thing with this show is, like I said, I went into it expecting, and I think that maybe it's me, because I went into it thinking it was not uh, something that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that this was going to be a 30-minute in-out cute show with the occasional uh, song and dance number. Right, which I thought was going to be too. Um, I thought it's it still... was going to be Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I guess is what I'm saying. But, yeah. But maybe a little less on the mental health now, level, which is why it dropped off of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Now, we don't know if for sure this is going to be an hour long. I because, think it is. Because, because it could it could be just a hour-long pilot. Well, here's why I think it is. Because I think they're trying to have this show be two things. They want the song, like they want the musical comedy. Element they want their of it, song and dance and eat it but too. But I think they also want this to be a show about actual real issues. You do not write in your the father character having a deli- like delivitating disease mm-hmm. unless you're going to really dig into it, and they do in the pilot. You are also... not going to also set up the of uh, the the at first love interest character who has an equally depressing storyline unless you're going to dig into it. You also don't have him sing Mad World, one of the saddest songs ever. So that's my problem with this show is I was like, oh wait, no, now this is This Is Us? Mm -hmm. I got whiplash, tonal whiplash with this show because I was like, it wants to have fun with song and dance numbers but then it brings you so far down. But it does does kind of ease you into it by... (laughs) By having the across the hall neighbor character right. say that songs are just an expression of your emotion yeah. that you can't say. I get that, but at the same time, though, it's like I don't want both of those things. I want one of those things, maybe. I think. I think what you want is tough... people to be able to express themselves without it being forced. Because it's that... what she is, she is seeing this yeah. thing happen, being forced. Onto her, and not her discovering it. There's an element of that, but also I think, like I said, it's a lot, very much a me problem. Because I was trying to grapple with why I didn't like this, Mm -hmm. and yet why I really enjoy stuff like BoJack. Right. Because BoJack Horseman, you could make a similar argument, right? Is like, man, like, it's a goofy show sometimes, but then sometimes it gets really, really dark. But I think where the balance is with that show and shows like that... I think is that the goofiness is so over the top mm-hmm. sometimes that it correlates with how low the lows are. Here, with everything's kind of in the middle on both, where the song and dance stuff isn't that fun, it's never too over the top. It's like it exists and it's like silly, but mm-hmm. it's never overly silly. So when you have the, the, the dark, like the motion, emotional part of the show, it's less of a balance there and I just the whole thing just feels like to me that's also a thing of do we want to hear this song being sung do we want to see it being danced to because unlike with Glee where we want to see them sing these songs here these are random people basically guest spots you could say say coming in and singing the song real quick I'm going to say that I don't think Glee is the comparison I mean, yes, it is also a dramedy, which, I mean, helps in this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's an hour-long dramedy. But Glee is different because all of that is actually, like, in-universe happening. 
Like, the musical numbers in Glee are very... are diegetic. Right. These are, like, halfway. (laughs) Because they're diegetic to us because we understand that she is experiencing this. She's on this trip with us, but not for anybody else in the universe Mm -hmm. of the show. So it's not... It's a weird comparison to make because they are kind of different shows. I think... There's no direct comparison for this because this is kind of a different, a new kind of approach to this kind of thing, and I think that that's why I'm hearing this pilot work really well for some people and not work at all for others. Hmm. So I don't know, man. <laughs> um, I think they're gonna give it the rest of this year, season. this season, the rest of this season. Yeah. Uh, basically, what? Five, eight episodes? Yeah. See, and then see how, then see how the audience reacts in order to renew it for the summer. Because, man, it has a stellar cast outside the lead. Like, uh, I mean, I was making a joke um, with with uh, with my girlfriend. She's She loves Peter Gallagher. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, oh, they, they have both of our, our, our 50-something crushes. <laughs> she, there's, there's Peter Gallagher for her. And then Lauren Graham for me. Oh, it is Lauren Graham. <laughs> so, it's yeah. not a bad one. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. I was also waiting for Lauren Graham to sing. No, yeah, she'll they'll get her eventually. If the show continues, they'll, they'll get her to sing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I was disappointed. Uh, she really enjoyed it, though. So again, who can really say? Uh, it's for somebody, I guess, out there. But I think that you're right. There's enough in-universe questions about how everything, the mechanics of how things work. And also, I just want them to figure out the tone. Right. But, yeah, we'll okay. see. Alright, and with that, let's uh, bring Come on. It, uh, let's move on to two announcements. Okay. First one, you brought it up earlier. Uh-huh. BoJack Horseman. Yeah. The series finale is on Netflix this weekend. Yes, this weekend is the time to, to finish uh, Friday, BoJack I think. Horseman. Friday. Yeah. Friday's a big day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, tomorrow is the series finale, Thursday, of one of our favorite shows. Yeah. For the past four years now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Good Place. Good Place is done on Thursday. Yes. Uh, one hour long finale. I don't know what they're going to do. They have an interesting setup after the last episode that I'm really really wondering about now i feel like they set that up to where if you don't want to watch it it's fine you can end it like that episodes feel like that yeah everyone feels like you know what if you want to fail now you can actually do so safely (laughs) yeah and you'll get what you needed out of it but i want to see the closure i want to see how they really end it i know but it definitely feels like oh this is the good ending now we're gonna get the bad ending Mm -hmm. which I'm going to get to a good and bad ending a little bit later. Uh, but for now, we have cancellations. And re- Wait, anything else yeah, this weekend? Uh, I think those are the big two. Yeah, the big two I wanted to highlight. So let's just move on because we are burning the show here. Oh, we're burning the midnight oil on both ends? We are. All right. So, cancellations, renewals. All right. We still no, have a lot of big things to talk about. What am I no longer watching? Well, I'm telling you what you're continuing to watch, or maybe no one is because it's on Apple TV+. Plus. Home Before Dark. Coming back for a second season. I don't know if that is either. That has yet to premiere. They're also bringing back Mythic Quest. Uh, that is the Robert McKellany. Uh, I think that's his name. Yeah. Uh, the Not guy funny. from It's Always Sunny. 
yeah. uh, that's his show about a video game company. So that will also get a second season. Also, both of those are um, yet to premiere. Okay, so look forward to that. The AMC, the AMC, AMC is uh, uh, canceling, I guess, ending uh, The Walking Dead World Beyond. Get another spinoff uh, I think after the, two seasons. I think this is one about the kids. Okay. Uh, that starts the kids. Got it. Well, that will be over after its second season. Okay, so I don't have to worry about it. Own, Oprah's own, mm-hmm. uh, is canceling Ambitions after one season. Okay. Must not have been ambitious enough. Uh, I mean, maybe, or maybe it already got everything it ever wanted. Maybe. <laughs> All right, now we go into deaths. Uh, first, a couple of other ones, uh, besides the major one here. Uh, Kit Hood, age 76. This was today. Uh, co-creator of the Degrassi franchise. I think this was yesterday. Or yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I definitely saw some people on, on the internet upset about this one. Uh, mm-hmm. Degrassi, man, uh, touched a lot of people's lives. Made a lot of uh, uh, celebrities. A lot of very uh, people in our culture came from the, these shows. Uh, Drake. Whether it be the original or the reboots. Yeah. Or, or the reboot, or, or the spinoff. The reboot of the reboot. Or the reboot of the reboot. <laughs> yeah. Um, however many iterations of Degrassi you think there is, there's more. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Degrassi's. <sighs> uh, Jack Burns, age 86, was a comedian and actor uh, in the uh, Andy Griffith show, screenwriter of the, of the, of, of, of the Muppet show. Uh, one of the, yeah. Yeah, one of them. One of them. Yeah, pretty yeah. uh, uh, storied history there. Yeah. But of course, uh, the one death that was uh, still is on everybody's minds still uh, today, as it's just man affected so many people worldwide, but especially here mm-hmm. in uh, near Los Angeles, like yes. we are, uh, just hometown mourning a hero here. Yeah, um, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Kobe Bryant, forty-one. Uh, his death was so prominent that. After it was announced, literal NBA games that were yeah. just tipping off heard the news, and as I mentioned at the yeah. top of the sports segment, right. well, first thing both teams did was to take a 24-second shot clock violation right. uh, to honor Kobe, who wore 24, or to take an 8-second backcourt violation to also honor his other jersey, mm-hmm. uh, number 8. Um, yeah. This extended, this type of gesture extended even into the college uh, arena where the women's UConn team right. itself not only had a memorial up for Kobe and his daughter Gianna, yeah. but also took the in memoriam shot clock. Yeah, uh, we would be, of course, remiss to not mention uh, that his daughter Gianna was also in this. Accident and also uh, also uh, was was killed, mm-hmm. um, so along with uh, nine uh, or nine people in total, so seven right. other people. Yeah, so man, just a dark dark moment. Um, the the Grammys, which we'll talk about momentarily, uh, had a uh, segment to honor him uh, mm-hmm. during their telecast that night because they were taking place in the Staples Center. Yeah, uh, which, uh, they, which Alicia Keys rightfully described as. Uh, the house that Kobe built. Well, yeah, because the Apple Center was built in 2001. Yeah. Uh, well, it was built before that, but it, it officially Same. opened the se- uh, 2001 season for, I think it was 2001 or 99? Around that time. Around that time uh, for the Lakers outside yeah. of the Forum, where Kobe won all of his championships. 
So yeah, um, like I said, it's still being kind of a topic of conversation. Still, I don't think it'll be a while. I think people really wrap their heads around and are are ready to accept it. Just seems like it's just out of nowhere. Still, days mm-hmm. later, yeah, it's just whirlwind uh, kind of the kind of celebrity death that gets people. I think the last time we had this was Robin Williams. Uh, that came out of nowhere. But that felt like people cared this much, like um, they made this much of an impact on people. That's the last one I can remember. Uh, that felt like this. Yeah. Because yeah, people from all sorts of you know, like you don't have to be a basketball fan to really know about Kobe. Well, and yeah. know what he did. Kobe transcended basketball. Yeah. I where, do. Where you don't need to have ever watch a basketball game. Yeah. To know who Kobe was. I do want to mention though, um, you know, just to make sure I have all my bases covered. He wasn't a perfect man. He was a complicated man. He mm-hmm. does have allegations against him in his past. Um, but, you know, like, overall, like, we have to basically, in, in the wake of something like this, we have to take the man as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I think that the good that he did for his community, I think the good that he did for sports, I think that just, like, he is an undeniable superstar. Like, and a name like his... Yeah, we'll be we'll be talking about Kobe and his effect on on culture for decades, mm-hmm. easily. Um, he will be a posthumous Hall of Famer. Oh yeah. Um, the NBA came out and said that this year only three people will be in the inducted into the Nate Smith Hall of Fame. It's Kobe Bryant, yeah. Kevin Garnett, <laughs> and Tim Duncan. Arguably the three. Biggest yeah, names, those are the names. Uh, of the last yeah. 20 years. You could say that, yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, he will certainly be missed. And uh, yeah, this won't be the end of this conversation, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, but we, the end of our conversation. But we have to end this conversation because we have uh, more stuff to talk about. the last notes I have there on his like, accomplishments. Oh yeah, just real quick, yeah. We want to go down his accomplishments. He's, uh, of course, an Academy Award winner. As, yes. we, rec- as we reported here on this very podcast, he won for his... Uh, short Dear Basketball. Yes. Uh, his farewell letter yeah. to basketball announcing his retirement turned into an animated short. I bet that's a real rough watch now. Oh, I watched that thing. Yeah, that's going to be sad as hell. Uh, of course, five-time uh, NBA champion. Two-times gold medal winner with the U.S. basketball team for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a storied career. Yep. Sure. Uh, three-peat uh, yeah. part of that big... It's part of the three-peat. Three-peat. Uh, a rare feat in basketball. Yeah. Rare feat in sports, period. Yeah, in sports, yeah. period. Uh, was Lived right in between the generations of Michael Jordan and right. LeBron he James. He straddled that line, yeah. Uh, to where he played against both of them. <laughs> he did, yes. Uh, yeah, his last... Uh, also mentioned, I guess this is also a sports headline, but... Mm. Uh, LeBron James did pass Kobe Bryant on the all-time scoring list the night before mm. this happened. Wow. Uh, one of Co- I think that is exactly Kobe's last tweet is congratulating LeBron James on uh, passing him. Jeez. Oh, boy. Well, like I said. Yeah, and that's why when uh, I, I woke up and people were talking about Kobe yeah. passing, I was like, like, wait a minute. No, Kobe doesn't pass. Um, Ooh. LeBron passed Kobe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it was that LeBron passed Kobe. God. And I'm like, no, it was no, Kobe. For real this yeah. time. Okay, we have to move on. Okay. Let's talk about something less depressing. Uh, music? Well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hulk got me there. Hey, let's hand this over to you. As we were talking about how music makes you feel, think that it can be super depressing. Can yeah, man, I would not want to uh, have Zoe's powers in Los Angeles this week for sure. Everybody just in Mad World on repeat. All right. Uh, uh, no, no, they'd be uh, black and yellow on oh, repeat. No. no, no, sorry, purple and yellow. Purple and yellow. Yes, the Laker version, right. purple and Laker. yellow. Anyway, let's talk about Billboard. All right, let's talk about Billboard. Uh, we'll talk about the Billboard Hot 100, your singles, singles chart. At number one, yet again, The Box. What's in the box? The Box by Roddy Rich. Uh-huh. Uh, number two, Life is Good by Future, but really it's Drake. <laughs> uh, at number three, Godzilla by Eminem featuring Juice World. Uh, yeah, posthumous Juice uh, World. You talked about this last week. Yes, I also talked about how Juice World would never be on the top five again. Yet, and yet here, here he is. is. Uh, and uh, by the way, did you listen to this song? No. Did you listen no. to the other one? Because I, I read about? about what it is. I'm like, I don't want to listen to that. Look, Godzilla or the Darkness. The darkness, but also <laughs> that whole thing. But yeah, when I read the ex- explanation of what that is, somebody broke it down. I was like, I don't need to experience this. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I told you you should. I'm good. All right. Um, at number four, okay. Circles by Post Malone, because of course it is. And number five, yep. Memories by Maroon 5, because of course it is. Because of course it is. Uh, that brings us to our Billboard 200, your albums chart. Yep. And for the 10th album in a row... A yeah, billboard feat. Of. A billboard record. Yeah, he's uh, past Kanye. Yep. <laughs> uh, music to be murdered by, by Eminem, yeah. is your number one album uh, yeah. this week. And man is Halsey pissed. <laughs> because he put out a surprise record the week that she was guaranteed number one. Well, she's guaranteed to be Billie number Eilish two. then. Because yeah. she's number two. Yeah. Uh, Manic by Halsey. Yep. Number three, Circles, by Mac Miller. Uh-huh. Not to be confused by Circles, circles by, by Post, Post Malone. Malone. This is the record, Circles. Uh, number four, Please Excuse Me for Being Antisocial, by Roddy Rich. Uh-huh. And number five, Hollywood's Bleeding, by Post Malone. Speaking of. Yep. Uh, well, if you didn't like any of those albums... What's coming out this we week? We have new releases. What am I listening to? I don't know what you're listening to, but here are the new, new releases. Release? At least two of these. Uh, we have, nope, uh, Can I find them? yeah, I scrolled up. <laughs> we have, have we met? Oh, sorry. It's, have we met? Have we met? Because there's no question no. mark. Yeah, have we met? It's, have we met? By Destroyer. Destroyer. The Unraveling by Drive-By Truckers. I think they're just the Drive-By Truckers. Uh, there's no the. I know. Uh, likewise by Francis <laughs> Uh, Quinnen. Quinnen? Fra- Francis Quinlan uh, being the uh, lead singer of Hop Along. Oh! Yes. I've heard of that band. Yes, I will be listening to this. I'm also seeing uh, Francis in uh, March. Okay. Week of my birthday. Birthday present. Hey, yeah. how about that? Seeing her in LA. Uh, we also have High Road by Kesha. Finally out this weekend. Uh, finally? Yes. Officially? It- I guess the uh, the January 1st placement, when we uh, uh, read it back a few weeks yeah. ago, I think that was Metacritic putting it there because an official date hadn't been put. It just said like, January. It just said January prior. And because and so January 31st. date on it, 
Because it's the, actually the thirty first. Last day of January is thirty first, which happens to be a Friday. It happens to actually come out on. Friday. Therefore, it doesn't break her contract of having a record out by January. Yeah, I don't know what the complication was or why, but it is actually out on Friday. All right. Uh, we also have funeral. I'm sorry, funeral by Lil Wayne. So this may or may not actually release. Okay. The, uh, Lil Wayne's camp has said that that an album called Funeral is coming out this week, but again, no confirmation. Beyond that. So we'll see if this happens. So you're saying there may be a funeral by Lil Wayne? <laughs> a record called Funeral. Yes. And no, it's not a cover of the Arcade Fire record. Even though the internet really wants it to be. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Lil Wayne doing Wake Up? <laughs> yes, I want that. Uh, we also have Walls by Lewis Tomlinson. A uh, former um, One Directioner, Louis Tomlinson. That Louis Tomlinson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also have Treat Myself by Megan Trainer. Yeah, in case you were wondering what and Megan Trainer was up to. I usually don't, but thank you. <laughs> and Silver Tongue by Torres. Torres? Torres. Yeah, I don't know. There's no I, so it's Torres. Torres. <clears throat> All right. Uh, music news. What's in the news? Or rather, more TV news? Kind of, because uh, music's biggest night was on Sunday. Yeah, the Grammys. And as we mentioned, the Grammys... Opened with Alicia Keys saying a little something about Kanye or about Kobe, <laughs> Kobe Bryant. What happened to Kanye? Well, I'm, I'm looking at Lil Wayne's funeral, thinking it's Kanye. <laughs> no, uh, but yes. In, in a serious note, the show did open. Yes, like I said, with a uh, uh, a little tribute to Kobe mm-hmm. before the actual festivities began. Although I say that when it really opened with Lizzo performing. Yes. Uh, Yes, the show opened with Lizzo, Lizzo performing, then went to but then went to that, um, and then in a quick turn of events, because um, what's his name? Uh, oh God, Nipsey Hussle was given having a right. tribute. Yes, um, a tribute, basically montage during the ceremony. They also were able to put in Kobe right in that as well. Yeah, quick, a quick. Quick, edit, quick edit. edit. But, if you're talking about the hardware here... There were also awards. There was also an awards show that happened. Yeah. Uh, in between all these performances and Trib- tributes. Um, one of the main tributes being uh, Prince. Because I guess every five years we need to have a Prince tribute. Yeah, it seemed weirdly timed. Because I feel like it's been like a little bit long since that happened. But, eh. Sure. I thought it was very out of place. Like, why yeah. now? Seems like something that maybe they had on the books for a few years and never got to do it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but, in terms of hardware here, um, Billie Eilish was this year's Adele yeah. by sweeping. <laughs> yeah, she swept. The made all four of the major categories. Yep. And basically hit top surges on Google. Yeah. Uh, the 62nd Annual Grammy Awards as she and her brother slash recording partner Phineas O'Connell uh, took home six out of the seven awards they were nominated for. <laughs> yeah. Billie Eilish became only the second artist in history to nab New Artist, Song of the Year, Record of the Year, and Album of the Year. Who Name is that other artist. Was it Adele? No. No. Name that other artist. We're going to take the Wayback Machine back to 1981. Whitney Houston. Christopher Cross. Oh, that's right. I saw this. Christopher <laughs> Cross. Yes. I saw this online. I thought, why are they bringing that up? 
That's and of fine. course, the other internet was also bringing up, wait, crisscross? No, not crisscross. And everyone had to correct, <laughs> not crisscross. Christopher Cross. Christopher Cross. Yeah, this, uh, the only second time it's ever happened. Also, she is now the youngest person to win these awards. Uh, yes, because I believe she just turned 18. Yeah, she just turned 18. So she is 18 uh, and the... Uh, She's album. 18 and days old. Previously, the youngest person to win Album of the Year was Taylor Swift at age 20. Aww. Yeah, so beat her by two years. Okay. Mm, I mean, I guess that's something to be proud of. You beat Taylor Swift. Yeah. I mean, she also beat her by, like, all every other character she was up against because of the... Um, <laughs> right. Uh, my, not, what was this album called? Me? Sweetness? What was this latest album? Lover? Lover? <laughs> Sweetness is the Jimmy World song. Yeah. No, it's also the uh, Ariana Grande. The Sweetener. Sweetener. Uh, she also... Are you okay? Yes. Yeah. Uh, she also won pop vocal album while yeah. O'Connell earned producer of the year. And engineered albums. So yeah, I want to both touch on that. So Phineas won producer of the year non-classical. Up against Jack Antonoff. For Lover. For Lover and... And Alana Del Rey. Norman fucking Rockwell. Right. I'm and sorry. Yet, Norman freaking Rockwell, sorry, yes, as okay. uh, the Grammys constantly it. said. I was surprised they didn't just say NFR. I thought that's what they were going to call that. Thing. Right. Just call it NFR. But, uh, no, I, I was saying that like the, the Phineas win is probably made me the most mad. Because that's one record... <laughs> Compared to the year that Jack Antonoff had. Right. But I'm not in the Recording Academy. I mean... As soon as I saw that, though, like when I saw... Because that was a pre-show award. Right. As soon as I saw Phineas had won, I was like, oh, they're just going to give everything to Billie Eilish, aren't they? And they did. And they ended up doing. Well, Lizzo also had a stellar Grammy debut as well. Yeah. Uh, After opening the show with a Kobe Bryant tribute and an energetic rendition of Truth Hurts... She picked up trophies for pop solo performance, yeah. traditional R&B performance, and urban contemporary album. I think this was their way of uh, giving her her due without basically giving her new best new artists. Yeah. <laughs> Being like, oh, well, kind of the, they gave her the her treatment from last year. Right. Remember, her basically won everything. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. um, Casey she, Musgraves yeah. came and up and won. Yeah, exactly. Which I thought was going to happen here, where they're giving everything to Billy Eilish and then... Lionel Del Rey's going to come in and get album. Nope. Didn't nope. happen. That's what I thought was going to happen initially, but yeah. no. The buzz seemed to be all about Billy, and sure enough, that's how it turned out. Right. Well, the other buzz of the show was yeah. people figuring out and finally seeing Tyler, comma, the creator. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is a complicated one, too. As he won his first Grammy on Sunday in rap album category, beating 21 Savage, YBN Cordy, Meek Mill, and Greenville. So he also performed during the award show. And since then, the conversation has been uh, how do you say complicated? Um, I think a lot of people are questioning who is or what is Tyler the Creator. Think, so that's one half of it is that there is a significant portion of the internet that's a little confused by him mm. because he's not exactly the most uh, upfront and clear uh, artist that we have. Right. Which, well, I mean, he's, the, the person who performed was not the person who accepted the award. He's purposefully, he's purposefully kind of vague. Wearing, yeah, he's purposefully vague. He has a character mm-hmm. and he like, but 
the other kind of half of the the conversation has become has come from him specifically, where he he sees the his Grammy as kind of a backhanded compliment. The way he sees it is that because he won it for a category that is still called like was like what was the category specifically? It's well, it's rap album. Rap album. But like he was basically saying like. Yeah, you gave me the rap album award in the um, for the album that I l- rapped the least on. Right. Like we, you listened to Igor, right? The re- the record that he won for. No, you listened oh, to I Igor did. for. I record. thought you may have listened to it as well. No, I. It is away from it. Ba- only barely a rap album. Okay. It's not the music that he makes anymore, and so he saw this as kind of like a well, they had to put me somewhere, and so they put him, so they put me here. Hmm. Not eligible for any of the other categories, but somehow this is where he ends up and this is where he wins. So that then a conversation kind of started after that about like what what did the there's codes that the Grammys are using for these awards like urban contemporary that like are these really ref like or what are these saying like what does that mean in 2020? Do these categories need to be broken off like this or is it just because if they don't well, rap artists and R&B artists never win Grammys. Hmm. Like, the argument that he's making is like, no, put everybody in the main categories. Rap should be able to compete with these main categories. It, the music that he's making is pop music. It is popular. I mean, it was on our top charts for so, weeks yeah. on end. So, yeah, it's been an interesting conversation. And so, yeah, like, whereas he's, like, happy, of course, that he got recognized, it also feels like a compromise. And it'll be interesting if there if we see some changes because of this in the coming years to these categories. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. It'll be interesting to see if he comes back to the Grammys. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we also have, uh, just wrapping up the Grammys here, Yeah. Uh, the Nipsey Hussle earned two tribute. posthumous awards right. along with a tribute performance in his honor. Uh, the late rapper was remembered in speeches after winning rap performances for Racks in the Middle, as well as Rap Slash Sunk Performance for Hire. Yeah. Uh, which also went to DJ Khaled. Yes. To so which he wanted another one. Grammy went... Yes, he always does. <laughs> and he also gave a shout out to his son, Asad, off yeah. of, his, of his album, Father yes. of Asad. <laughs> Father of Asad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, Grammy performances, yay, nay? I mean, the ones I saw, I didn't actually see the bulk of the show. I saw the opening. I saw the first, like, 30 minutes of it. Okay. I did not see the rest of it because I was um, at dinner. Okay. So, you did you, or were you able to see uh, Blake Sheldon and Gwen yes. Stefani perform? Oh, my God. That was horrendous. That was bad? Yeah, it was super bad. Oh. I thought it was a wedding song. I thought he was going to propose. Uh, you could have. I uh, thought they were I, already married. No, no, they're dating. <laughs> okay. uh, in the pre-show, they kept asking about a ring. And then uh, they came up with this song, which is clearly a wedding, um, our song together type style yeah, of song. Yeah, man, they could not be less interested in singing it on that stage. Uh, it lo- it they, seemed like both they, of them were kind of out of it. They seemed more interested in just staring at each yeah. other than singing, uh, yeah. which is why I thought that he was basically when he backed up at the very end that he was just going to yeah. drop on one knee, and I think also, a lot of people thought that. Also, just a programming note, to slot that right after all the, the Kobe tribute stuff well, felt really like whiplash. Yeah, but you know, you're not <laughs> expecting that. that. was going to happen right in the original planning. Right. Still also, though, what, what are you going to slot there? The Nipsey Hustle tribute? I don't know, but man, it was rough. Just going yeah. to an award. <laughs> um, 
Other than that, uh, Camila Cabello serenaded her dad. Camila Cabello. Camila Cabello. <laughs> um, basically gave everyone in this generation and for years on end the father-daughter song to dance to. This uh, That song is on a record, and I remember when I listened to it, I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is a cute dad song. And so, like, when I heard that she performed it here, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, no, she didn't just perform it. She had her dad sitting in her seat in the front row. Yeah. And basically, as she was singing it, the camera kept panning to him. And then she eventually walked down the stairs and sang it right to his face. Aw, that's cute. I was like, this is the father-daughter dance for the next 20-plus years. (laughs) It's it's, it's good. It is. Uh, Anything else you want to say about the Grammys? Um. Okay, sure, you gave it to Billie Eilish, but come on, who are you really going to give it to? I mean, you know what? I'm split about it. Like, yeah, as much as I think... That as Lana, much as I'm not hating yeah, on the album hate or hating on her worse. winning, yeah. one, it could have been worse. Two... I th- better luck next year, guys. I don't yeah, know. that's kind of how I feel about it. Where it's like, yeah, it's not what I wanted, but it's like an acceptable alternative, but it's still not as good as it could have been. Like, yeah. that's how I feel. Like, I feel like there's little... Every year with the Grammys over the last few years, like, they make little steps forward, but then several steps back. At least it wasn't Lil Nas X. Hey, you know what? He should have won Song of the Year. Uh, yes. Because that was the Song of the Year. Yes, if we talk about what is the song of the year, we literally went through it every yeah. single week, and he beat Billie Eilish, except when it came to this. Yeah. They gave him a, a Grammy for music video, though, so he is a Grammy-winning Grammy winning artist. I guess that technically <laughs> yeah, counts. technically counts. Yeah. All right, let's finally move on. All right, um, so in case you didn't watch the Grammys, they're into actual good music. <laughs> Burn! Uh, Not sure who you're burning there. Uh, that is a chemical burn. That is my chemical burn. Oh, a my chemical burn? Yes. Is that a segue? There's a segue. All right. As the anticipated my chemical romance uh-huh. uh, December show at the Shrine Expo Hall in Los Angeles, you know, their first one in nine years. Yeah. Was in fact not a spin-off after all. Well, I figured because Because following the announcement of some European gigs, uh-huh. the group has also slated a month long run of arena shows It's a tour. In eighteen cities this fall. It's a tour. It's a tour. Including stops in LA yep. in a much less exclusive venue, <laughs> the Forum. Yeah. Um the U.S. tour will begin September 9th at Detroit's Little Caesars Arena. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, for five dollars, pizza, 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 and wrap up October 11th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. The LA date is slated for October 8th. Uh, they have two New York Arena gigs scheduled: one at the Brooklyn's Barclay Center, and on September 17th. And one in Newark, New Jersey, at the Prudential Center on September 22nd. Yep. So, for those of you who wanted that I come, that MCR tour, who couldn't make it to L.A., well, 
They're coming to a city near you. You. Uh, I have you. somebody in my life which will probably who will probably want to get one of the uh, some of these tickets immediately. I'm sure Blitz already has tickets to these. Ah, <laughs> uh, he probably does. Anyway, <laughs> it's funny but true. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, My Chemical Romance back uh, on tour. Um, and interesting. To see is this who opens for them? This will be interesting to see. Um, they get to open them. No, not oh, just that, but do they play their old stuff? Do they oh, yeah. put out yeah. an album beforehand? That's the question, is whether there's new music coming. I'm not sure, but yes, they will. you definitely will hear some classics. It will, so. I mean, yes, because that's what people came to hear, to play. But the question is that, do because they have a captive audience, will they play new material? I thought you said captain audience for a second there. Captain audience? Captain audience. No, captive <laughs> audience. Right. We'll see. Yeah. We will see what happens. All right. Well, this show is getting long. Yes, it is. And we still have stuff to talk about. We do. Uh, we have some thoughts. Let's move on. To uh, so, I'm going to take a wild stab here and say you did not listen to anything new. Nope, nothing. Okay. Blank week. All right. I played ketchup this week. Delicious ketchup. Delicious, delicious catsup. Uh-huh. Um, I listened to Nightfall by Little Big Town. All right. Not Lady Antebellum. The other one. The other one. Yeah, there's two ladies there. Yeah, two ladies and two guys. <laughs> uh, the littlest big town. Yes. Uh, Nightfall. So you had some fun on a pontoon. Uh, that's not this album. <laughs> Actually, if I was to rename this album, I would call it The Love Gospel <laughs> by Little Big Town. Okay. Because this album is nothing but love songs. Uh-huh. And songs about being in love. And songs about finding your love. And... Being with the one you love and, and being lucky to be with the one you love. Uh-huh. And sometimes that love isn't exactly a person. Sometimes that love involves alcohol and drinking. Uh-huh. But it's about loving. It's a very lovey, lovey, lovey album. Got it. Um, it's also a very, very country album, too. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot of vocal harmonies in this, a lot of runs. A lot of they stuff. Get the runs? They definitely have the runs. They also have a lot of stuff that hits you <laughs> in the feels, uh, especially Stagecoach when you see this big wheel. I don't think they're at Stagecoach this year. They were at it like two years ago. Uh-huh. But if you're in a country wedding, per se, coming up, and you're looking for some love songs to play, check out this album because mm-hmm. this is right up the alley of what you're looking for. Otherwise, if you're not in love and you've fallen out of love, check out Joe Party's Heartbreak album because that, <laughs> <laughs> that is the exact opposite of what right. this is. Uh, but it's all right. It's all right. Um, there's like three songs I like on the full album that I would listen to constantly. Uh-huh. But other than that, it is just an all-out love fest of an album. Yeah, I've always felt kind of in the middle about them. Like, whenever I hear a Little Big Town song, I'm just like, yeah, this exists. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. I think it's just the sounds. I don't really necessarily like the the, the, the sound of their, their voices harmonizing mm-hmm. as much as, like, a Lady Antebellum. Oh, there's definitely some really weird harmonizations. Yeah, and I think that... It, I don't know. It might just be a personal thing for me, but like, yeah, just their sound just does not do it anything really well, for me. I, don't know. I think it it definitely allows them to make their own sound, to have their own yeah. vibe. 
but the one song I will bring up is Ponte. the wine, the beer, the whiskey. Uh-huh. Their drinking song where they uh-huh. call out oh, everything that they're drinking. Uh-huh. Uh, <coughs> by Bottle's name. Talking uh-huh. about Captain and Jin and Tito. <laughs> And Johnny. Jägermeister. No? All of it, yeah. The reds <laughs> and the whites. Um, this is your drinking song. If you're looking for a little big town drinking song, it is the not beer, the wine, the whiskey. Got it. Good to know. You should just make up all drinking song playlists. I probably do. Like, you could have, you could probably do it. Or if it just talks about alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should do that. All okay, drinking I'll... song playlists. I'm looking for it next time. Like next time uh, we have like a get together, I want you to play our play your drinking song. Just playlist. play the drinking song. Drinking song playlist. And on it, we'll start with Midlands. Every song's a drinking song <laughs> when you're drinking. There you go. Yeah, so you already have an opening song. All right. Drunk on a plane. Yes. He's drunk party. And um, yes, drunk on a boat. Sorry. <laughs> Yes, proud back there. So much potential in that. Yep. You well, it's, it's that a pontoon or a cold one. Uh, I could buy me a chumbo wumbas tub thumping. Is that not drinking? Takes a whiskey drink. It takes, takes a soda drink. drink. <laughs> takes a vodka drink. <laughs> See? Takes a six soda drink. <laughs> why do you think he gets knocked down? Because he gets up again. No, but why do you think? Because he's drunk. <laughs> I thought because he's such a pushover. Yeah. Man. I uh, get back there. Anyway. Anyways. Um, Nightfall. It's a love album. It's a love album. Cool. If you're not loving it, you can move on. Well, next week I'll have thoughts, uh, but this week I don't. Yeah, you so will have on. thoughts. Uh, let's move on to video, video games. games. Let's get through video games. Let's try and uh, get through this in about 10 minutes because I got 10 minutes of thoughts. Yeah, God. <laughs> All right. All right. First up, we have new releases. What do we got this week in the world of video games? We have the Crystal Age colon, or the Dark Crystal colon Age of Resistance. <laughs> so this is of course based on the current uh, Netflix reboot of the Dark Crystal. Yep, um, this is for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. It's a tactics game. Yep. We also have <laughs> Monster Energy Supercross, yes. the official video game. Three. three. They made three of those. <laughs> For the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Yeah. And lastly, we have Zombie Army 4 Dead War. <laughs> I'm sorry, Zombie Army 4 colon, colon Dead, Dead War. War. Which you could have told me that this is a made-up video game from a television show and I would have believed you, but this yep. is real, apparently. Nope. Uh, for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Yeah. Alright, let's go into actual video game news now. Let's do that. All right. And we, of course, have a requisite required uh, Pokemon news story of the week. Yes, because ahead of Pokemon Home's launch in February, Nintendo have explained how the free and premium versions of the Switch and mobile app work and how they interact with other systems like the Pokemon Bank. So yeah, Pokemon Home, as a refresher for those who may not remember, this is your new Pokemon Bank. This yes. is um, an app for Switch and your mobile phone, a home for all of your Pokemon to live. So you will trade Pokemon out of your games uh, into this as kind of like a cloud storage mechanism. Yep. 
Uh, the short version, you know, if you're yeah. into the short version, which we are, we kind are of get speedy in this, here. In this moment. Yes. Uh, the short version is that Pokemon Home lets you link Pokemon games using your Nintendo account. Once you're Mario'd up, I mean, once you're linked up, okay. you can use Home to move Pokemon between games. Games supported at launch include Pokemon, colon, Let's Go Pikachu, and Let's Go Eevee, mm-hmm. as well as Pokemon Sword and Shield, yeah. with Pokemon Go support due in the future. Right, so eventually you'll be able to take your Pokemon Go uh, Pokemon and put them into the home alongside your Sword and Shield Pokemon. Mm-hmm. That will not be available at launch in February, but that will be down the line something that they add. It is worth noting that once a Pokemon is moved from Let's Go to Sword or Shield, it cannot be sent back. So this is the catch. And I think a lot of people are kind of upset about this. It's a one-way trip street. It's a one-way trip from Go, from the 3DS games, but from the Switch games, it's a both ways. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep in mind that older Pokemon or Pokemon Go Pokemon... You will never be able to put them back where they came. Yep. Yeah. Um, is that is that right? Or is that... That's what my interpretation of it was. Because they showed a diagram um, that had No, I thought arrows. it was you can go into home. Correct. And then you can't come back. No, I thought it can go back, but no. you can't go into home, into Sword and Shield, and then back. No. So, my understanding is that the Switch games interact with home... Reciprocally, like they can, just like how the bank was with the 3DS games, right? Because that is the same ecosystem. You can take a take a Pokemon from Sword and Shield, put it in the home mm-hmm. for a little bit, and then take it back from the home into Sword and Shield, vice versa. Right. That's something you can do. But because of the technology difference between Pokemon Bank on 3DS and Pokemon Go, once they're out of those ecosystems and in the home. They are stuck in the Switch ecosystem. Oh, no. Yeah. So you can move them to Sword and Shield if they're on the compatible list. Okay. But you cannot move them back to your 3DS. Hmm. Once they're out of the bank, they're out of the bank. So once they're in the home, they're in the home. It, once they're in, <laughs> once you've moved them to the home, they're stuck there. That is their new perma-home. Yeah, perma-home. The, bank, the home is basically replacing bank. Right. They want the, the, the idea is they want you to move everything off of bank into home. Mm-hmm. Well, po- what about Pokemon Home Premium? You know, the paid version of the app. Right. Well, that also lets players transfer Pokemon from DS games like Sun and Moon mm-hmm. using Pokemon Bank. Again, once a Pokemon is transferred from your bank yeah. via Pokemon Home, it cannot be sent back to the bank. Right. Pokemon Home yeah. Premium... Also adds the judge ability, <laughs> allowing you to quickly judge the strength of your Pokemon and increases the number of Pokemon that can be deposited and traded at once. So, I want to clear this up a little bit because people, I think, are getting a little confused about what the judge function is. Mm-hmm. It's not new. The judge function is basically, it's like the Pokedex features in a Pokemon game. Right. It'll show you your breakdown of stats, it'll show you moves... You just won't be able to get all that information. Basically, you won't have a real Pokedex mm-hmm. unless you do the paper. That's all this is. Oh. Yeah. Well, free users can only deposit 30 Pokemon, for instance, while premium users can hold 6,000 Pokemon. So, if I, at my current Pokedex, 
have over 100 Pokemon in Sword and Shield. Yeah. You would only be able to move them 30 at a time. Oh, only move 30 at a time? That's what it says. Or only have 30 at a time. I, yeah, I'm not exactly clear, because my understanding before you read that sentence was it was total of 30. But you just said, for instance. Uh, it says, for instance. Oh, for instance. I thought you said, per instance. No. Okay, then yeah, maybe it is only a total of 30 with the free version. So you have to lo- really like those 30 Pokemon. I guess. <laughs> or run the game five times with yeah. with one di- with different team. Four different phones. Yeah. <laughs> Um, is this something you'll be getting? Oh, hell yeah. Well, I know. I want to move everybody off the bank. Yeah, you want out of the bank? Yeah, I want to... You want to make a withdrawal? Yeah, I'm going to withdraw. Uh, a mad rush on the bank. bank? I want my Tropius, damn it. <laughs> my Tropius? I've loved my Tropius so long. I want my Ash Greninja out. Yeah, yeah. Again, though, if they're compatible. See, we have to wait, basically, for the list to come out yeah. of what's going to be compatible with the new updates to see if we can even move these guys. Right. Uh, into Sword and Shield, that is. You can move into the home. There's no problem. Oh, well, yeah, I'm, that's what I want. I just want to move into the home. So, yeah. So, that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, the pricing isn't listed on here, but uh, it is $16, $15.99 for a year. And that is three times as much as the Pokemon Bank, because that was $5 a year. Yes, but also... Um, this can do a lot more than Pokemon Bank. Right, because Pokemon Bank could only go with the DS, whereas... Also, this is a phone app this time. One of the interesting things that mm-hmm. I think is kind of the killer app about this app is that there's stuff you can do on the mobile app of home that you would previously, in previous generations, have to do in-game, such as trade. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to do so with the app. So, for example... Instead of just talking to your friend about, oh, well, next time we both have our Switches in the same room, we can trade our Pokemon. You have this thing that I want, and I have this thing that you want. Instead, in a world where we all have our phones on us, this allows us to then take two Pokemon that we have in our homes already on our phone apps, and I'm just with my friend like, hey, do you want that, uh, do you want that Tangela? I got that Tangela for you. It's funny you mention that because last Sunday I was talking to someone uh, who had the uh, shield version, I had the sword version, and how they were unable to get a Farfetch to complete their Pokedex. Right, right, and right. I'm like, hey, I have a Farfetch. That you. damn thing won't evolve for me. Yeah. I was like, I will. I could trade that to you. I could catch one and trade it to you. So yeah, in a home, in, with the, in a world where home is the is in everybody's phone, mm-hmm. you could have just done it right then. Right. Right then and there. And you just say, hey, here's a Farfetch'd. Yeah. The other part, for all of those people who missed the uh, global trading system from the 3DS games, it's back Mm -hmm. in home. And also available via your phone. They even took it a step further. There's even like a box that you can put any Pokemon in and that you want to be traded away. Mm -hmm. And without you even starting the trade, somebody else will trade with you automatically who also has a Pokemon in their trade box. Hmm. It'll just happen. You'll get a notification like, oh, Tangela was traded and you received a Tyrogue. Something like that. I don't know why I just did two Ts, but it was an example. But that does sound like something people that will give away. Like, yeah, yeah, I would give away this Tyrogue. Yeah. screw Tyrogue. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, it's 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 a good idea I to have I see a lot of like zigzagoons in there. It makes Pokemon trading so much of now like an easy transaction to do. Mm-hmm. Compared to previous generations, that it's brilliant. But 
I think that the sixteen dollars a month will probably be a year more than a lot, or a year a lot uh, will be more than I think a lot of people will want to spend on this. I think it's a good deal, but I think there's so oh, it's definitely a good deal. Now. But it's also something that if you're gonna put sixteen dollars a month, you're gonna want to. And exactly what you did <laughs> because people will think sixteen dollars right. a month, not sixteen dollars a year. Yeah. They'll see sixteen, and it's something that well, if I'm gonna pay sixteen, I might as well. It was this something I'm going to consistently use, not something that I just want to have in my back pocket. Yeah. Which is what Pokemon Bank was. It was $5 to just put in your back pocket, but also something you needed because they came out with multiple games. I think yeah. once multiple iterations come out, this will become a necessity. Also, I think this is also their Trojan... Another one of their many Trojan horses trying to get people who are playing Pokemon Go into the Pokemon video game ecosystem. Or trying to get people to trying go... Trying to do it. Or trying to get the other way to get people back right. to Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Go. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I'm excited to see this thing uh, come out, and I'm excited to try it out because having a walking Pokedex mm-hmm. of all the Pokemon that I have is sounds really cool. Yeah. Sounds good. I mean, yeah. that's next month. Home. Eventually, you'll get launched. Comes home next month. All right. Yeah. Turned it down. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of turning things down, <laughs> Bethesda. They're uh, not in the news for a bad reason this time. Oh no. Yes, for the first time in a long time, they're actually doing something good. Well, for twenty-four hours, starting January thirtieth. Yeah. So you and me and you and you and you. All of you can get 33% off any Bethesda game on Bethesda.net and the Humble Store. Yeah. And... 30% off of everything, Bethesda. Starting the 30th Starting or the, the 30th. 31st? 30th. Starting the 30th. That's weird. Starting yes. the 30th. But yes. okay. Uh, this is... And you can help do this to help fight Australia's brush fires. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Bethesda Softworks is... Donating net proceeds from the sale to the Australian Red Cross. There's an inherent sense of guilt to impulse buying, but Bethesda's latest sale wholly remedies that factor by sending your hard-earned money to a very good cause. Ongoing and widespread fires have ravaged large parts of Australia since June of 2019, spreading through tens of millions of acres of wildlife and threatening irreparable damages to the continent's ecosystem. Up to 32 people have died as a result of the brush fires, and up to 1 billion animals have also been affected. It is now your turn to go to Bethesda.net and do what you can in order to help eliminate this problem. Yeah. So this was kind of a slow... Video game news week, but I included this in here because yeah, it's uh, they're doing some good, um, and this is a way that you can help do some good. Mm-hmm. If in case you wanted to pick up a real cheap copy of uh, Fallout New Vegas or something, if you never or Fallout seventy six, if you I'm not going to mention that. that pile of trash. <laughs> you know, good Bethesda games. You can pick up some good Bethesda games from their back catalog here and uh, have a good time. If somehow you're the one person on Earth that doesn't own a copy of Skyrim, now's the time to buy Skyrim. Hello. <laughs> I own two copies of Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> one, somehow that happens. One for you, one for me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I bought it back on the 360. Yeah. Digitally, because I was like, oh, it would be cool to just have a copy of Skyrim on my hard drive. When I retired my 360, 
later and they put out the remastered PS4 version of Skyrim, yep. I bought Skyrim again because I was like, well, I just got this Pro. I want to see the Pro of stuff on the remaster of Skyrim. And so I bought Skyrim again. So I have two copies of Skyrim. You know, this just this perpetuates the cycle of them putting out uh, Skyrim copies? Because they know people like me will buy Skyrim on every Pro platform they own. Want else? What other game perpetuates that cycle? Boy. Kingdom Hearts. Yes. As I will continuously buy anything that thing comes on. And this is, of course, your segue. Yeah, it is. Because you played the Remind DLC. I bought, played, and beat uh, Kingdom Hearts Remind. Remind me why this was a good purchase to make. Uh, Kingdom Hearts Remind Uh gives you, the player, a chance to fight all of the ending battles, you know, the actual good (laughs) <laughs> like, really good parts of Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm using air quotes, even though you're not. Go ahead, you can use all the air quotes you <laughs> want, because I'm going to use a bunch of air moves. If I remember correctly, if I'm playing through Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, boss battles were my least favorite part. Boss battles were the best, although <laughs> you can only play them through them once, and then that was it. Uh, but this, uh, this time, Remind, allows you to go through the same battles... Except not as Sora. This time you get to play as one of the other people um, who are mm-hmm. also in that battles, including uh, Riku, uh, okay. Roxas, uh, Aqua, yeah, yes, Girl, <laughs> Kyrie, everyone, maybe all your favorite ones. What about? Let me try to think of a. Yes. Character from Kingdom Hearts. Yes. All of these previously unplayable characters. uh, She is in this, yes. (laughs) Not playable, though. Uh, Do you already say Roxas? Yes. Okay. Uh, Uh, It throws you... Xehanort. You fight him, (laughs) and then him again, and then him again, and then a part of him, and then a part that's him, and then his heartless, and then his... Does anybody get norted? Um, not specifically, but they do bring it up, yes. <laughs> my limited, again, my limited <laughs> knowledge of Kingdom Hearts. Yes. Uh, anyways, yeah, this allows you to play through specifically the last Does world. Lingering Will show up? Yes. I love mentioning Lingering Will. Yes, you play as... Uh, you, you play as Lingering Will? Uh, you play alongside him, I believe. <laughs> lingering William. I don't remember if you actually play as him. Does they play alongside him. Does he linger around? Do, do they have to? Lingering Do they have to? Yeah. Do you have, have to, to let, let him linger? linger? I got, got what you're doing. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. Um, this is a perfect example of what a <laughs> DLC should be. Okay. It is something that is extra. It is something that is indeed extra. You don't need to play this in order to get the full story. It While it does expand on some of the story post-game. Uh-huh. It also does expand on post some of the story game. that happened within the game mm-hmm. if that wasn't made clear enough. Um, <laughs> but it also a, and it's Kingdom Hearts, a so it wasn't. challenge. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it gave you answers, uh-huh. and then it also gave you a bunch of other questions. More questions. Yes. yes. Uh, but it also um, just basically threw you in. That's one of the things I loved and hated about this thing is that boss battle you can either play as Sora or as the new character mm-hmm. 
And I always play as a new character, but in doing so, I was thrown into a situation where I didn't know what my moveset was. I didn't know what was preset on me. <laughs> I didn't know what equipment I had on me. Yeah. And I didn't know a whole lot of stuff. So it was a lot of death by combat. But do you think that trial that made it a little bit more interesting than it would have been if you had just been sore the whole time? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So maybe that's kind of like, you almost gave yourself an artificial uh, difficulty increase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also gave myself an artificial difficulty increase by playing as the uh, critical mode. Well, that's a that's not an artificial one. That's a real difficulty increase. <laughs> yes, but it, but playing on critical mode is the only way to get the two new keyblades, uh-huh. uh, the Oathkeeper and Oblivion keyblades, because in order to get the Oblivion keyblade, you had to beat the game on critical mode, and. That's the only way. There's you an Oblivion uh, key, keyblade. Is there a Skyrim keyblade? <laughs> but not everything. No, but there's a Scala at Kylum place. I don't know what the hell you just said. <laughs> I, I Kylo Ren. I, I word vomited there. It's <laughs> <laughs> Kylo Ren keyblade. Got it. Anyway. Anyways, <laughs> it's uh, uh, yeah. I mean, yes, I did give myself an artificial, but yeah. <laughs> Crocomo is the only way to get the two new Keyblades. Uh-huh. Um, you can play through the game and able to get the uh, Oathkeeper Keyblade because mm-hmm. that's a picture one, a picture requirement. It's the Oblivion one that's more hardest, but I like the way they look. And I just ran with both those Keyblades in my slots yeah. uh, along with the ultimate weapon because, of course, I have that. <laughs> uh, yeah, It's a fun DLC. For those of you that are very into Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Like you. Yes, like like me. I am a prime example of who this game who this DLC is for. Yes. Um, other than that, it's a super challenging uh, mode. It's super like hard. I at one point I did give up because I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. Turns out I was actually doing the wrong thing. I was fighting <laughs> someone. Nice. because uh, there was two people uh, in the battlefield and I kept fighting the wrong guy when I was supposed to fight fighting the other one in order to trigger the cutscene mm-hmm. I didn't realize that because I was taking the, the guy in front of me head on because I thought head on I could take on anyone <laughs> oh I thought you were going to say head on apply directly to the forehead well I did apply directly to the forehead because I kept uh, banging my head against yeah. him dying and dying and dying until finally I fell through it I can't beat you. I'm going with the other guy. And then sure enough, as soon as I got his health halfway done, yep. it triggered the cutscene. I was like, well, shit, that was what I was supposed to do the whole time. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. well sounds like you had a good time. Yeah, I did have a good time. It is relatively short, about three, five hours, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but price point-wise, they make some sense, right? About $30, yeah. It's $30. Oh, it's $30? Yeah. Oh, $30 for like, well... You're playing for the extra content, though. You're yes. playing for the extra challenge. But that's not all, because there's more. <gasps> so, in addition to all of this, there is also the Limit Cut episode. Oh, I hate that when that happens. Mm-hmm. When my limit's cut. Yes, uh, this it's named uh, so because it deals with Final Fantasy characters. Oh! Um, because they limit themselves to You're appearances. You were noticeably absent in Kingdom Hearts 3. Yes, as people noticed. And so That's they, what noticeably means. Yes. <laughs> and so they made an appearance here. <laughs> uh, but while they're there, they're only in uh, limited cutscenes. Mm-hmm. 
as the majority of the limit cutscene deals with a data version of Sora. By the way, this fast forward. Right, yes. A I year. am familiar with data Sora. Yes. This fast forwards a year <laughs> in advance. Uh-huh. So a year has passed. Um, uh, part of the remind is basically how they set up how Sora loses his powers because he's going to disappear again and the sacrifice is he's going to lose all his powers. Like, well, there's their anime bullshit mm-hmm. excuse of starting at zero for the next game. Right, yeah. Because of course there is. Yes. But it's always very funny and creative how they go around doing that. <laughs> it's like, oh, he was asleep for all those ta- all these all this time. Oh, you're in a new world. Like, like oh, you yeah. lost all your powers. Yeah, this is a different place. Oh, you wandered off into darkness. You lost all your powers. <laughs> oh, you permadeath this time. I'm gonna send you back without any powers. <laughs> Oh, you lost your memories. Sora's like living a robot. Oh, oh, you're a data (laughs) version, so you don't know all your stuff. Yeah, what do you know? Uh, Data version. So yeah, this is Data Sora. So confusing. Battling data versions of the end bosses, which uh, once again get upped in the health and attacks and just becomes another uh, 13 door knockabout where you're going to bang your head constantly trying to figure out how to beat these things but yeah. it is exhilarating when you actually do finally beat them okay and it's just going to take a while this data sort of stuff this all has ties to the mobile game right no this no? is a different sort but yes there is a data sort of mobile game but this is completely different what also uh, the ties that people... Just when I thought I was making a connection, it's apparently wrong. This, well, this is a different data Sora. Okay. How is there two data Soras? Because one is the data in the book, this one is data in a uh, computer reconstruction. What book? <laughs> Jiminy's po- journal book. Oh, I thought you were, I was about the poo book. Uh, no, but there's also a book of prophecies. But that's is that not the Pooh book? Which one's the Pooh book? <laughs> that is Pooh Bear's book. Yeah, but isn't there a world inside the Pooh Bear's book? Yeah. Is that, like, plot important for some stupid reason? Um, this It's that um, your heart can live on in memories of yeah, pages. Yeah, it's, like, important to the plot of three, right? It's, yes. Yeah. No. So, so when you say book, that's what I thought it was. No. Um, the no. Pooh Bear book is something completely different. <laughs> Then also there's the Book of Prophecies, which is in a part of the other mobile game, uh, the Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, which deals with the That Book was of the Prophecies. one I was talking about. That has nothing to do with Pooh Bear. That's what, but that has to do with Data Sora, right? Uh, no. Ah! <laughs> okay, this is breaking my brain. Please wrap up. So, uh, because I have not finished that, and I probably won't finish that, uh-huh. that is something that I'm going to put on a back burner where I want to get back into it yeah. and and feel like doing it for the sense of accomplishment because mm. after I beat all 13 of those bosses, then I get to face up against the hardest boss in all of Kingdom Hearts, or so everyone says, because I get to face Satan. up... No. No? No. Okay. It is Final Fantasy Thirteen versus two main character wannabe. Hold on, that game <laughs> was never made by Nomura, which yeah. it was, which yeah. we talked about, and yet he's gonna force that game to be in here. 
Yeah, so we talked about a little bit about this off the podcast. Yes. yes. It seems like the internet is having a field day with this one, basically saying like, wow, Nomura didn't get to make Versus 13 in real life, so he's making it in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Pretty much. It seems like he's using a lot of the same character models and aspects from that game yeah. and shoving them into this game. It is interesting because at the very end of this battle, there's a, quote, good death or a good ending and bad ending. Yeah. One where you die and one where you defeat um, this new character, Yazora. What? Not to be confused with Sora. Y- yeah, Sora? Yozora. Yo, Zora! Yozora, which is, I think, Japanese. Zora? I think it's Japanese for night sky, sure. whereas Sora is just Japanese for sky. Oh. So it's Yozora. So it's like Dark Sora. Kind of. That's Wait. the aspect of it. Okay. If there's not already a Dark Sora. Yes, which there is. Of course there is. <laughs> God damn it, this game. Okay. So I so every time I think I have something figured out, it's still wrong. It's every time you have something figured out, it's yes. You're right in the but, naming, but, but wrong with that, that where it where it is. But where you're it's also doing something different with it. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Is there anything else you want to say about this? Anyways, uh, yeah, so I saw both endings, and I think the internet has it back... You've seen Kingdom Hearts Remind from both sides. Yes, I've seen both the good and bad endings, and I think the internet has it wrong. Uh, okay. I think you are supposed to lose that battle, mm-hmm. as most people will do. the canon ending is, that, is losing that battle? Yeah, I think the canon ending is losing that battle, because what happens when you win that battle... Yeah. Well, so what happens when you start the battle is Azora says, I've come to save you, and then you fight... And then if you lose the battle, you end up in a crystallized form. Oops. And then that's it. But if you win the battle, it cuts to Yuzora waking up in Shibuya, uh-huh. uh, which is... This is connected to the secret ending in 3, right? Yes. Where they also end up in Shibuya. Well, well no. So that's where you fight them, in Shibuya. Okay. Uh, it's uncertain where Yuzora wakes up in. Okay. Assumption it's his own world. Uh-huh. And then they, and then like the driver, he's in a car, and the driver of the car asks him, like, "Well, did it work?" And then he responds, "My power wasn't needed yet." <laughs> so, I take that as he's meant to beat Sora in order to save him. Maybe. And so he will constantly go back until he beats Sora. It's like a looper. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's how you're. That's how it's supposed to end. You're okay. su- the true ending is you're supposed to lose, be crystallized, and then he's gonna save you in crystallized form. And that's how you mm. lose your powers and like how time passes without you actually aging that much. Maybe perhaps because if you beat him, you're stuck in that world. So does that mean that he's in the same world as the the world ends with you kids? Um, that's where they go potentially? to, potentially. Because, yeah, I, because in rare, rare moment of me actually knowing something, I played World Ends With You. <laughs> so I know all about that. Yes, also by Nomura. Yeah. Uh, and I think that part of that uh, Kingdom Hearts 3D game, uh, Dream Drop Distance, uh-huh. which also has World with, with You characters in it, uh, one of the characters, Joshua. Right. Makes a strong connection with Sora and Riku and basically exists 
within both worlds. Right. Also, screw Joshua. He's the least, my least favorite thing about that game. Right. Well, I think he's the one who told Yozora to find and save uh-huh. um, Sora right. in the other Shibuya world. Okay. Which is why they fight there and why he's looking for him. Okay. Also, it threw a twist of an ending where he said... Where Yozora says, that's my name, but it's not what I look like. So, who knows what his final design is actually going to be. It's another one of those things to throw a wrench in everyone's plans. And part of the whole, everyone is part of everyone, but not everyone is everyone (laughs) type of thing. Yeah. So, Kingdom Hearts. War is on the way. Makes Yeah, somehow makes less sense every time they put out a new game. Yes. And, speaking of new games... Because we didn't yes, talk about this last we week. We did. We kind of planted the seed, but yeah, we know. Yes. Sort of. Uh, yes. game. Yes. Uh, in addition to Kingdom Hearts Remind being released, Nomura did an interview about other games being worked on. Yeah. Yes. The team who worked on Kingdom Hearts 3 is working on a new Kingdom Hearts game. A Kingdom Hearts 4 game. But go, don't go too excited. But that may be a while. Yeah. So, in order to temper those two expectations, there is a different game being worked on. Another mobile game that will be due out later this year. Yeah. Uh, that is in addition to the Kingdom Hearts Union Cross wrapping up sometime this year. Which also got an update uh, a week or two ago yeah. uh, in accordance with the launch of right. Kingdom Hearts Remind. But there is also two other games being worked on in the Kingdom Hearts universe. Uh-huh. So that's a total of four four to five different games being worked on for Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Two out within the next five years. <laughs> so this is uh, continues the plan of a new Kingdom Hearts game every year. So, yeah. So I, I know that a lot of people were kind of disappointed slash confused about the uh, mobile game announcement. Mm-hmm. Because I think everybody had their money on a Switch game being next. Yes. So do you think maybe the Switch game is next year? Possibly. They also said that one of the games being worked on, but not the mobile game, is a Xehanort-specific game. Uh, uh, it's codenamed uh, Xehanort Story, or Xehanort Saga. Do you think that's the Switch game? That might be the Switch game. Weird, okay. Um, but in addition to that, they also Nomura also released a teased image. In it, he had um, young Xehanort... And young Ericus. Young Ericus. In addition, with Mascara, three outlines of characters yet to be filled in, uh. indicating that these next that one of the next games being worked on will talk about these five um, want to be Keyblade builders because they are. <laughs> I say that in all respect because uh, as much respect as you can give to a digital video game, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that because they're drawn as their young versions, that they are still Keyblade wielders in training and not yet Keyblade masters. Who's this, like the Kingdom Hearts Suicide Squad? It's the Kingdom Hearts <laughs> uh, Academy. Sure, okay, yes. My my KH Academy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Getting the anime studio on that pronto. Pretty much. All right. Anything else you want to say about this before we can wrap up? And end this Godforsaken podcast. <laughs> you want to end it? I think we can go for another two hours. Past two hours. <laughs> this is the time. All right, let's call it. So I'm glad you had fun with Remind. Yeah, I did. 
You continue to have fun. With I continue to have fun, and I will continue to bang my head against yeah. a wall, defeating... Because I, I beat the two <laughs> enemies who aren't Xehanorts, uh-huh. and so all I have left are different variations of Xehanort. And you got too many Xehanorts. Uh. All right. All right. Uh, let's wrap it up. Plug away. Thank you for bearing this episode Rawr. of the Media Boat Podcast. I told you it was going to be a long one. If you want to watch it live, we are live every week. Catch us on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com. Media Boat Podcast. Just search that and you'll find our page. Comment, like, subscribe, click the bell. You'll get notifications when we go live. That's typically on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. You can also hear us in podcast form. Wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, just search Media Boat Podcast and you'll find us. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, our handle is at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast and you'll find our page. You can comment there as well. You can find us on twitch.tv slash Media Boat every once in a while playing video games. You can find us on patreon.com slash Media Boat. And there you can help us by donating money as little as dollar a month is good enough to help us on our merry way making podcasts for you so consider donating at patreon.com slash media vote hell yeah and uh did i miss anything no i think i got everything i think you, you got it email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions for us and you can participate in the chat on the live shows as well on YouTube. Yep. We read some chat messages today. Yep. We will in the future, so please. Yep, so, some James with. Bong, yeah, which so might be the title of this episode. James Bong. <laughs> so yeah, uh, thanks for joining us for this episode. We will be back with another episode next week. It won't be as long. Yeah. Promise. Less stuff to talk about, but we will have the Super Bowl to talk about. Yeah, we will. So we'll but be that's back. Not, but that's just a... A blurb. We will have our Oscar predictions next week, though. Yes, we will. So, uh, stay tuned for our Oscar prediction episode next week. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time. All right, we'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Bye.